0: Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm JP. I know Gareth this week. Where's Gareth, JP? Where <gasps> we lost him. He, was, he didn't want to talk. He he's... was a coward. He didn't want to talk the greatness of Nick Gage versus Minoru Suzuki. That's what I think. So it wasn't
1: great. Um, <laughs> he's on holiday. No. Gone traveling. Yes. He, he's decided to um, travel up to Cumbria and, uh, and, and have a bit of time there. With with family and and a bit of, a little bit of a well earned break. I would say well earned, we don't know that. We know at times when he should be working, he's watching fucking Noah. So <laughs>
0: you know. <fate laughs> That's that work t-
1: as he as he is. But yes, it's weird. work. It it is work, isn't it? Mm. And I'll be telling the tax man that next year. <laughs> um year after mate, we don't have to worry for then. What yeah, exactly. Uh w- watching Noah. Um, yeah, that they can claim that his job. No, so he's off on holiday. And uh, he's so he'll be uh, listening to this from uh, Grapple Cottages, overlook- <laughs> overlooking one of the lakes. All right, for Simon, like Alexander the Great, looking <laughs> over the <laughs> length and breadth of his domain, oh, and he wept for there are no more lakes to conquer. <laughs> 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 Didn't expect that reference here, but
0: yeah, <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't—I should expect anything. I just came back from rebooting the computer during the pre-show. to so was talking about some Jim
1: Davidson interview or something. What was that about? What's going on? Oh, it was the so your man from called Ashley Banjo. This sounds like Toast of London, um, mm-hmm. Ashley Banjo, or a great NXT name to to go back to that that game we did once, um, or a porn star. He did, <laughs> it, it, he did some controversial, yeah, he did some controversial um, dance routine, which I think made reference to Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it was deemed controversial. Whereas in reality, it was just more exposing the systemic. Uh, inequalities in uh, in race when it comes to incarceration now he also spoke to some of the people who uh, disagreed with that act at the time including jim davidson whose response to any kind of logical argument being brought up at him was just to walk out going no um because he's jim davidson he's a fucking arsehole and that's his stock in trade and it's just (laughs) a waste of time trying to get him to engage on stuff um, <laughs> I love yeah. when Jim Davidson's. A vile, vile man. In. I know. He, he, I, it's
0: annoying because is, it's like man. he's like a meme, isn't he? And he's like a, a memory from childhood. I remember. It makes me worry because my nan and granddad really liked him, and I don't know if their views were particularly um, not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Would stand stand up uh, in today's um, society? It makes me wonder why they why they like Jim Davidson so much. Or I, don't know, I had an uncle who really liked Roy Chubby Brown at one point. I've told you the story before about going to an Everton doing, well, Roy Chubby Brown impersonator was like the, uh, was the uh, was the MC there. Wasn't a good time, JP. Wasn't a good time. was it a, yeah. The, some of these things, some of these
1: are relevant. Not oh, even Roy Netflix, Chubby Brown. It's a bloody impersonator. <laughs> it's not Chubby even Brown. the real one. It was terrible, absolutely awful. But, the yeah. only good thing that man has done is when he appeared in the Mayor of League of Gentlemen. Mm like, cause his real name is Royston Vasey. Mm. Like that's the only, that's the only thing about Roy Chubby Brown's careers. Other than that, it's, it's all horrific. Apart from one apparent a funny joke he told in uh, Liverpool, which was about saying how from a place that got robbed, the church hall that got robbed, there was a cross at the back of the room. He says, Hey, I see you caught the cunt who nicked the stereo and they weren't very happy. With that, but I, I personally think that's quite a nice little funny gag and quite tame for Roy Chubby Brown.
0: <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't get it, but I, I mean Roy it's one of them though with, with like the likes of Davidson and the like. You know, I don't, I don't think I read mm-hmm. necessarily want to know what, but um, but those kind of uh, heroes of the nineties. Think about uh, political issues like uh, Chris is saying here in the chat. Apparently, uh, somebody on Facebook was saying banjo just sit to dancing, Hamilton's sit to <sighs> driving, and, and Davidson should just keep on going. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> sounds like your, uh, <laughs> your uncle Nurb yep. on Facebook. Apparently, yep. Wilson That's Wolverhampton can't have to apologise for booking him. Christ, should we book him for the first live grapple show, JP?
1: Just to call him a cunt, Jim. Jim Davidson. Ah. Mm. Uh, you can, You just imagine we talk about wrestling, and he'd just be a homophobe, and mention talk about Big Daddy, and that would be it. And he'd be like, oh "Christ, get <laughs> anyone! This turned out very badly. None of us would come out looking good mm-hmm. out of the whole scenario." I'd be, I'd be very, very wary about it. Um, but f- those things appearing on Facebook, color me shocked. That's Facebook for you—a mm-hmm. vile, 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 vile place. Yeah, it is.
0: It, it's a, it's a place you go to lose the will to live with. The things that your uncles, your cousins, at least for me, <laughs> will just share on there. Willy nilly, it's uh, it's bad. Although I do use it, I've got like i I'm in the market for a for a fridge right now, JP. So I've been using it for the buy and sell on there. I got a got a bit of local information on there. Well. You are next door. That's good too. Where you can um, you get like it's like a mix. You'll get like know. your neighbors going like oh meet cats gone missing, keep an eye out for this cat, or they'll be like, Oh, somebody broke into my house this weekend, so you know to uh to keep it uh, keep an eye out. Um, you know, that uh it's useful for, but then you'll just get people on there just treating it like it's Facebook so it doesn't uh doesn't always work out for the best. I mean just to see what know what comes up in your neighbourhood.
1: Oh, what you mean in terms of like like Facebook stuff that comes up around <laughs> here? It, it's a weird, odd mix. I, t- I tell you what, I do like off Facebook. I want to mention one: a, it remembers birthdays. Facebook Marketplace mm, yes. can come in handy if yeah. That's 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 it. And Facebook Messenger, where we chat. <laughs> like he, you know, which is which is still very weird. That I, I don't know. At times, I look at this guy. I'm, I'm surprised that all of us are on there. But <laughs> here we go.
0: Look, it, at some point, yeah, you're giving them money, whether you're using Facebook or using yeah, WhatsApp. We found that the week everything went you know, down. It's all connected.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I've just seen a picture of this Jimmy Steve Coogan as Jimmy Savile that's coming on to BBC apparently later in the year called The Reckoning. He's doing um, what? Is it a joke? He's playing Jimmy. He's playing Jimmy Savile. Jesus Christ! So it's just yeah. As like I a mean, serious I Steve Jimmy, Coogan acting role. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making serious, sure. Serious, like kind of. Yeah, yeah. He's doing a um, like a proper playing Jimmy Savile, but as a horrific arsehole, Basically, I can imagine it's going to be a harrowing watch for all concerned. I've <laughs> just found it in fucking hell. I know. Suddenly, <laughs> it looks like, sure looks like It looks like what? I, is that him? Is that him with the jester's hat? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> he just looks like he's wearing a bad wig. Because it was like, did you ever watch the Fred West thing on ITV with Dominic West as, as um, Jimmy McNulty as Fred West?
0: <laughs> was that just because his name's West? <laughs>
1: No, honestly, yeah, well, you would have thought so, but it was like, oh, Fred, hmm. <laughs> I don't know where those goals are buried. It's like you do, <laughs> mate. You buried them. You buried them in your basement.
0: <laughs> and just in that, in that segment, you've done a better accent than uh, than Jim Nol- Nolte has ever done in his life. Um, <laughs> I can't believe um, I spent the first few seasons of The Wire. Or, well, I get this maybe the first two seasons, just assuming he was just an American actor. And then they did that scene where he goes into the brothel and he has to put on the English accent. And I was like, oh, what a shit English accent Dominic West is doing, only to find out that was his real accent all along and the American yeah. one was the fake one. So, actually, maybe he's better than I give him credit for you.
1: Well, there's a long lineage. I mean, it would have been the first time for, I imagine, um, like Idris Elba, when everyone found out that he was British, it was like, "What the fuck!" Mm-hmm. Like I think over there, people were stunned, and then it was more of a damning indictment of how British, um, black British actors don't get that much work in the UK and end up going to the states and doing incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, d- d- that accent was always ropey, but you let it go very mm-hmm. quickly with with Jimmy Mcnulty, don't you? It's charming. Too busy trying to pick up on fucking Baltimore Street slang, to be honest with you, for like a good 10 episodes.
0: <laughs> uh, spoilers there for uh, The Wire, if anyone hasn't seen it. Um, yeah. 15 years late. Sorry. But no, I was going to say, on this episode, JP, we, we've, so, so far we've already talked about Fred West, Jim Davidson, Roy Chubby Brown. Better or worse than the, some of the, sub, the the subjects we're going to be talking later, is Rob Black specifically is what I'm thinking of. Like.
1: Oh. <laughs> What a vile fucking human being! We'll get on to that.
0: Later I watched on. Dark Side of the Ring for a bit. I don't. I probably should stop treating Dark Side of the Ring like it's going to give me a bit of a like reprieve. But <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's fucking dark, uh, as as is in the title. Uh, but yeah, it's, it gets fucking dark with that particular person. Like as much as it's it's funnier and Jericho at the to- at the stop of the show talking about oh you know you know noted um, porn distributor Rob Black and they're trying to explain like the insane environment backstage at xbw when like you'd, you know the wrestlers are talking about trying trying to go to like training and there's like just just a couple of people uh, in the corner there uh you know shooting a shooting a scene for rob or you know the, the girls are all over like certain wrestlers or yeah it's uh it goes from that to a, a particularly dark place uh quite quickly
1: yeah it's a bit like the bbc in the 70s to bring it back to jimmy savile there again <laughs> isn't it <laughs> in Terms of the environment they were running there, and yeah, yet, it, Rob
0: Black's it, it's, coming it's, back. Have you seen? There's an I, I put XPW into Google mm-hmm. just to, just to have a little look, like a little browse of the first story that came up. And you know, kudos to Fight for doing this. The first thing that comes up is like, is it advert for XPW having a pay per view in two weeks? Apparently, there's a comeback show coming up. Did you know about that?
1: Do you not remember? This was the one he said he was going to book Marty Skull. Mm. That's oh, what is he, it? He, he is. That yeah, this? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, that they were doing a whole anti-cancel culture thing. Oh. I mean, because there's money in that, frankly. If you're if you're anti-cancel culture, it's you know it's it, it it it's easy kind of stock in trade for for lots and lots of people. Hmm. So yeah, that was the route they were going to go down. I certainly would never pay any money for hmm. for going uh, for watching that shit because it was shit back in the day, Beno, wasn't it? the little you'd see of it you'd just be like oh, I, oh my it
0: didn't really exist to me it was like because it was 2000 to 2002 back when like i'd first got onto the internet so like you'd hear these names like supreme and messiah and you know, you'd hear the story of, you know the the finger being cut off and you know you'd hear like little little tales about rob black and stuff like that but it didn't seem like i remember like all of the names of the like the, those different wrestlers being like ewr and they'd all have shite stats because they were all fucking yeah. crap like but like, yeah there were more names than it. like i mean it says everything that you didn't i don't think you saw one of the fuckers outside of like the uh the XCCW names on on another show since that time but it was like its own little universe that didn't seem quite real to me
1: with a big kind of market and a gap for people, particularly like in the West coast, they want mm-hmm. cause we're just kind of going into the review of this now, aren't we at this point? Um, might as well we're here. Um, but it's, it's like, you know, the West coast didn't have what that kind of promotion, like an ECW going out there. And they meant they go into detail about like mm-hmm. how they kind of were fulfilling that kind of niche. And it's very much kind of of its time because it, it's, it's almost like it's, is it a precursor to CZW? In mm. some ways, it kind of is this weird thing where it exists at the end of ECW and then it kind of goes on for a little bit and then CZW kind of comes in and, and fulfills that niche. And we're going to talk about it later on. GCW feels more like ECW than anything else, really, at this point, mm. um, in, in, in in terms of what they're actually offering. But um, it, I, the things that you kind of remember, really, I mean, new Jack Vic Grimes, which is...
0: You still talking about that, like it's a shoot in this in this episode, like he did the original one. Yeah. I'm glad they had that footage of him. Obviously, I think he he's, did. He die between the two halves of the same season because yeah. they, they dedicate the episode to him at the end, don't they? But like it, it reminded me of like how badly he worked them all because he's he's still talking about going in there with the intent to kill Vic Grimes and that it was all a all a bit, all a big shoot.
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it, he's a bullshit merchant to the bitter end. Mm. Was uh, Jerome Young, wasn't he? Mm. Um Rest in peace, sweet prince. Uh, <laughs> hey, does heaven have another angel? I don't really know on <laughs> that one. All
0: evidence to the contrary.
1: Sorry. So saying that, uh, other
0: people we've talked about so far, he might be top of the list for uh, for biggest cunt. But at least he was a lovable yeah. cunt.
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, he had character you would Mm. argue. Whereas Rob Black really doesn't in this. He just comes across as a vile human being. The fact he doesn't cooperate with it at all. And there's no, there's nothing he, no one has any pleasant stories to tell about him. It's one of the notable things. There really isn't. They just like everyone, effectively how he fucking turns. He just seems to be going completely mental by the end. Mm. And like, he doesn't know what he's doing. So it's just like he's just throwing money into this wrestling company that's just doing really daft shit. And the the Vic Grimes fall is probably the, the kind of pinnacle of that said bullshit, isn't it? With mm. like a ridiculous – if you haven't seen it, it's a horrible dive because it's so ridiculously high. There's no way you should be doing that kind of a stunt. Like it just – how he got permitted – and it's a it's a proper arena, isn't it? Mm. Isn't it like the LA Sports Coliseum where they do this? Yeah, because there's a guy in the documentary
0: to... saying like, yeah, we we yeah. had all this coverage. It literally forged insurance documents and stuff to to convince them to let yeah. them do it. To
1: me, it, I don't. I mean, I would say this episode felt particularly grim mm. because there's like it, it's a grim, nasty, shitty little company. And where it differs from say a UWF story where there's a kind of element of wackiness to it as well and various other things. Whereas this is just a very low rent ripoff of ECW, which is more notorious because of the porn connection. Hmm. And he's such a thorough thoroughly unlikable shit of a human being. Yeah. That you know, when you get around to Messiah talking about the stuff with his thumb being cut off and the rest of it and it's like fucking hell like that whole story and everything else I mean you're not surprised that he would have done that I love Um, the way the documentary is like you know we reached out to Rob Black for
0: comments on it you know and he he wouldn't come back to us and all of the talking heads are like look I don't know that he definitely did it but he was probably responsible for uh, Messiah's thumb being cut off like i don't know if it was the same you were the same though i mean it sounds terrible but like as as messiah was talking on camera he's one of them he talks with his hands a lot so his hands are moving a lot. and i'm kind of you're kind of looking at him going oh can i kind of see which thumb it was type of thing like that's horrible but like it's it's kind of yeah. the case as he's, as he's telling this uh this story it didn't
1: stop him though he carried on wrestling you know uh, but it's still horrible uh that it happened to him but you hit the nail on the head, none of these people. I mean, mm. the only thing I remember Chaos from mm. is Chaos was in um, uh, Wrestling Society X. Was he? Wasn't he? He, he teamed do? up with Aaron, Agu- Aaron, Agu- Aaron Aguilera. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, that that was them. you remember the Shark Tank match? Yes. Oh, that was them. Yeah. Okay, right, yeah. okay. He's Let's the come blonde over. lad. Because I know I also, like- obviously, also Boy Luke was on both, uh, Luke Hawks. He's still, he's still around now. I'm still doing stuff. Like I, I remember Isn't he doing... Obviously isn't he doing sort of stunt coordinating stuff in Hollywood and stuff like that? I think he's gone down that, down that path. He's the one XBW happy ending. (laughs) Yeah, he Mm. is, isn't he for that? Well, it appears to be chaos as Mm. well. Like, you know, his uncle Supreme on the other hand, who like went the fire incident, fucking hell. Mm. Like that is genuinely horrible like what they did. With he was like an
0: oil-based oil charcoal or something like that was not it? up to like the, to, the table on fire. Out.
1: And he's <laughs> running it's... around the ring on fire, this big fat bald lad, mm. just like sprinting around there and you're just thinking, what the fuck is going on? Mm. And then he goes back and praises it afterwards. But yeah, outside of that environment, we never heard those names. Mm. That's where they existed. Mm. You know, much like sort of, I think CZW, I think someone like Matt Tremont, you know, we don't we don't hear about his extensive tours to Japan, do we? That was never <laughs> a thing that people went into. Uh,
0: it's like uh, Ricky Shane Page trying to get off the death matches, and now he's just a job, job guy on dark, You know, it's hard to uh, <laughs> to get yourself a attack going, but yeah, like uh, there was a bit in the documentary as well. Uh, Simon mentions here where they use like, w- this was very much like um, watching <laughs> Wrestling Society actually use like weird dodgy CGI to to write Messiah out, and it's like. It's very um, Poochie went back to his home planet type stuff, just a
1: mm-hmm.
0: absolute shit. Ch- and like it, as crazy as Rob Black is as well, at least the one thing he's got in common with who he was trying to be, Vincent McMahon, is apparently it's the government that chased him. Our things when uh, when the government yeah. started investigating the the porn he was making and some of the the horrible, more violent stuff he did, and having to having to leave um, yeah. the industry because of that, basically because he ran out of money more than anything. There's, there's some parallels there. Sadly, it didn't end that way for Vincent McMahon, but we might find out uh, on next week's dark side of the ring, how close he actually came.
1: Yeah, that's it, isn't it? And 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 I think um next week's one looks like fun. It's the first time I've ever heard Joe McDevitt talk, so mm. it's fascinating for that alone. And to be honest, it should be a two-par, if anything, because this is a massive story encompassing mm. a whole heap of things around wrestling at that point in time and where it was and where and where it stood and very, you know, Vince and a neck brace. It's is, is always. It's, it's the it's most direct episode mm. they've done
0: going after Vince. Like I was, I was yeah. to wake Keller talk about this on one of his podcasts over the weekend, and it is interesting. The dark side of the ring have kind of shied away from going directly at Vince. They probably don't want to lose, you know. I know there's a lot of guys who don't come on the show anyway, you know, but like they don't want to lose the the, the talking heads they do have by maybe going too hard with them. Oh, I'll be interested to see whether they use uh, kid gloves next week or if Vince gets the uh, the full Rob Black treatment.
1: Yeah, I, I to be honest, the fact they got McDevitt there, mm. um, it because the thing about that this case is like you'd have to be a fool to say that they didn't know about people were using steroids left, right and centre throughout the company and that, the entire Hulkamania period is built on steroids. Mm. The entirety of that. So you go in there inherently thinking like, you'd be naive at best to mm. think that Vince doesn't know. And then it's the neck brace and then it becomes like, you know, people brothering up on the fucking stand and all the rest of it. And, it, you know, there's a whole... I'm fascinated by it because it's 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 arguably something that should be like a television miniseries mm. in the vein of an American crime story because it, yeah. it, it is kind of absolutely fascinating and it's how the wrestling world would have changed if he was, you know, if he was found guilty. It's the fact he got away with it is mm. is kind of ultimately kind of incredible, isn't it? What happened to George Sahorian in the end? Oh, I suppose we'll find out next week, won't we? <laughs> Maybe it'll be a surprise running. Is he alive? Maybe he died. I can't be. He can't be now at this point. But I mean I think it, it was oh yeah, that he was supplying them. I I just always found it very hard to believe that he wouldn't know mm. what was going on there. Yeah. It's just Yeah, that's plausible kind of deniability, didn't he? Yeah. like, I'm not the supplier. I just
0: I just heavily push the guys who have these muscles and maybe encourage them to get these
1: muscles. But it's not me. Mm. it's at least this last episode feels like a big episode. Mm. Whereas what, as I will say about the XPW one is it's, I thought there'd be a kind of trashy fun to it. Mm. And there really isn't. There's a lot Mm. of trash, but there's not really a lot of fun. And it's, they're getting to the point with these stories where we're kind of, they're more interesting, but they're more and more niche as they go on Mm. really outside of this steroid trial. So, it makes you wonder what, where Dark Side of the Ring kind of, there's other stories they can tell, but are we in, we're we really in the land of diminishing returns at this point with what they've got out there. Mm. Here's
0: a question from Simon here, JP. Who would, if they do do the series, you're, uh, you're plotting here with uh, WWF and the Star Trail, Trial, who would play Vince? <laughs> Have you got any shouts? Oh
1: my God. Um, Oh, that's a really difficult one on the spot. I'm shit at these types of things and can't keep up to date with kind of modern actors. Um, I think you'd just. Ha- I think you'd have to go with some sort of like comedian mm. because you've got to get them to do the kind of bigger, larger than life stuff, mm. whilst at the same time being able to do kind of smaller, dr- more dramatic moments and and the rest of it. It's a, f- it's a very difficult one because he's not really like a human being, is he? At the end of the day, he doesn't can't behave be like a human being. Mm.
0: yeah it's hard to kind of come up with like somebody who'd be like mm. be a good like Vince McMahon like I remember didn't WWE want Bradley Cooper I remember hearing that I remember hearing that it's like a, a Too that young. Was so rad. yeah I mean you could play maybe play like yeah mm. like a young Vince McMahon maybe I, I could I could picture that Bob I... Odenkirk yeah um how do you saying in the air I after?
1: I th- I think that's a, that's a, that's a kind of interesting one. There'll be there'll be p- people out there, actors that we don't know. Michael Shannon that'd people. be good. Cool. Yeah, I could see because he's. I mean, you're talking to someone who needs a physical size as well. Mm. The issue I would always have with the with any of those Vince stories is we know that there's a kind of unfiltered, honest version that would be almost impossible to make with the company currently in existence. Mm. So it means that. What we're gonna end up getting either way is just a kind of bog standards kind of show which is much more trying to show the wacky side of him, the PT Barnum side of Vince McMahon. Mm. The, the you know the the ringmaster at the circus. I'm
0: trying to think. Will saying earlier oh, DiCaprio, uh um could do like ah it's good enough after. Jack Nicholson, maybe? Do you like the the, the crazy Vince? Oh you know it'd be good. You know it'd be good, John Cena. Big, you know he's trying to get do his legitimate acting career. He's got the hair for it.
1: That would be, you say that I. That's doable. Weirdly, mm.
0: jacked. What know?
1: a challenge that'd be.
0: I, I could see him in like the WWF suit doing the water maneuver here. Vince, I think there's money in that.
1: That's a that's the thing that comes to mind. It's Vince in a suit. You could put the hair on him, and you could get him to do it. Mm. But yeah, I think it's doable.
0: There we go. Got some good, good uh, casting ideas there. Um, yeah, we didn't plan on leading <laughs> off with it, but we've led off with <laughs> Dark Side mm-hmm. the right there. Uh, watching it. I, I, I maybe got a bit more enjoyment out of it than JP did out of like that trip down memory lane to um, to XPW. But yeah, I think better things are, uh, are to come next week. But um, before we get into the, the proper news and, uh, and reviews and such, and we've got a million things uh, this week to uh, to get to, JP, do you want to uh, let me yeah. know what's, uh, what's been going on on Patreon? What's going to be going on this week?
1: Yes, Patreon this week. We're gonna be doing um the Halloween Film Club. And it's <laughs> with a non-Halloween themed Robocop. Um <laughs> I did Robocop which found with its way in this down to a conversation where you said you've never seen it. So here we are reviewing <sighs> it, which um it does have a wrestling connection, WCW Capital, capital Combat nineteen ninety. Um which of which I will go back and watch that sequence, even though I can kind of remember it, it's it's pretty nondescript stuff. Um but yes, we're we're gonna be doing that this week. If you haven't already, and obviously it'd be a, a great time to jump in, we've got the uh ring uh ring of honor best uh, Daniel Bryan. Um the Bryan the matches Odyssey. that Jamesy curated making his, his grand return. Mm. Um we have that we had the Owen Hart show not too long ago as well. And then obviously we're we're always around with the weekend updates and uh daily updates as well at this point so shit ton of audio on there less less it not be said
0: i'm enjoying this period because i know you're on um you're on half term aren't you so we get the uh, we get the, the daily updates you know, we let jp have a little lion and then you were like on the first update, like, yeah and you know slept until eight o'clock this morning i was like fuck <laughs> if that's a lion that's terrifying that's
1: a in, mate I'm up at six like most days of the week and it even then starts to infect my weekend which is why I'm very much a fan of the having a kip on the sofa during live sport thing which happened a lot this weekend. (laughs) Oh I won't lie I was kind of happy with that
0: Even for me it's like yeah I'm kind of a roll out about the a 10 o'clock kind of person and if (laughs) you know spotlight coming out at 4 in the morning probably yeah (laughs) probably tips people after that that's usually my uh my finishing editing time so okay. <laughs> that's just uh that's just the different lanes we live in but i have enjoyed the uh the, the daily updates i enjoyed today t- i think today's one where you're talking about charlotte and becky uh and that whole fucking story which we probably should talk oh. about
1: then what the fuck's going on there i feel
0: like you added some details to it though that definitely didn't happen
1: i lied <laughs> I oh, like going that. to aw dynamite and getting kicked out yeah that didn't happen <laughs>
0: Was it a J.P. Well, wouldn't it be great it? if
1: it did, though?
0: I was listening okay? to the Let's just going. think about that for a moment. I was like, did that happen? Did I miss the news story while I was away at the weekend? Like, what's that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> turned up. Kick it like off. Buck Wild in the front row. Did you not see this? It was all over. I- I'm surprised. Like that one Highlander. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That... Um... I don't know how you, anyone would have seen on, on, on this week's. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, no, that didn't happen. That, <laughs> I got that completely wrong on my part. But let's just imagine it would do. And mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of thing that maybe wrestling news at times could just do with is perhaps an outright lie from mm-hmm. me. But the whole story in and of itself, I, I mean, I I don't know. What do you make of it? It's it's ridiculous. I'm not surprised it feels like it's touching on a whole lot of other stuff that's been around for a while and i think a lot of it is say it's just down to the one word of pressure Mm. i think this current roster feeling under real pressure Mm. and it'd be the first time that any of them in this kind of work environment ever would have had this
0: it's one of them it's like
1: you know the the story is
0: isn't that you know they were supposed to like because the segment, the idea for the segment's fucking stupid in the mm-hmm. first place. that they, you know, the both two champions should just be happy to be like, yeah, here's my belt. I'm not arsed. I don't care about this belt that much. You can be a, you can be the champ now. Um, I, I, that is just everyone looks stupid in that scenario, and that's the problem with having you know a red belt and a blue belt and an insane old man in charge. who... You know, decide the draft and the champions is going to be this great hook every year, and then they have to break themselves out of a, out of a stupid corner. I'm on Charlotte's side. i have got to be honest. Like I think, like as much as she's been a dickhead, and you know, c- clearly purposefully dropped the dropped the belt before giving it to Becky. You know, which was. I think that you know that's true because they they edited that out um, of any replays, so they did not want that like on their on their TV product. And there's clearly, you know, Mm. I think it's bullshit when she says she did it by accident and whatever. But I I don't know. I kind of say good on her for kicking up a stink because the writing is awful. Like it is terrible. It is a stupid segment. It it does make them both look bad. Like you know, I know it's been disputed the report about how you know she may have. um, Drop the belt, you know, to somebody else on um, on Raw to get out of it, and she was willing to, you know, put people over and all of that stuff. I don't know how much I, I believe all of that from, quote-unquote, Charlotte Fair's camp. But I do think at the crux of the matter. She's right. I think she's right that this is bullshit. And, uh, yeah. you know, like Dylan said there, it's like a changing office chairs in the office when someone's... <laughs> for the sake of it, you know, when they're making, making you switch around. Like, well, you just look like utter schmucks doing it, so... I kinda of think it's good that somebody's fighting their own corner and I feel like Charlotte's just you know, she's the one who will because she's a flair and like her dad, she when there's another company out there who's gonna who could potentially offer him, offer money, I think she'd yeah. happily walk. I think if they sacked her, she'd be like, Great and turn up an AW tomorrow and I'll be there with, with Andrade and, you know, post more happy Instagram photos with the two of them. You know, it'd be uh Yeah it'd be good for her, so I kind of think she feels like she's got nothing to lose, and yeah, as much as like you can slam her for being unprofessional, it's like, it's like when we talk about Loki, talking about retro ROH. Like I'll have a go at Loki, and I'll be like, oh, he was a dickhead. He should have done business. He should have mm. won over Austin Aries. He shouldn't have been such a cunt. Wow, what a big star he would have been. I still look at the today's generation and go, but at the same time, I wish there were more Loki's. I wish there were more wrestlers that took themselves seriously. <laughs> I almost wish there were more Davy Richards, <laughs> people who people who do take mm. themselves, you know, a Brett R take themselves a little bit that much too serious. That's what
1: wrestling should be.
0: You know, I'd rather have um, Charlotte Flair doing this than just being, Yes, sir, I'll I'll do that.
1: Yeah, I am really with you on this. Like, I mean, first of all to say it's a it's an awful segment that they've entirely put themselves into this with this stupid fucking draft that doesn't need to happen anyway. Mm. And I think when you see red and blue brands, I think it makes them look like they're basically two women's intercontinental champions, is how I view it. No one gets over with this two belt stuff, really. I, I honestly, God, because. They just don't mean that much to me personally. And she's completely right to stand at her the corner. I mean, you would argue... I mean, there's a whole idea of the report saying that she dropped it at the wrong moment and everything else. It's like, well, if you're putting that much to chance, why are you doing it? And it appears to be no one's asking why. Why are we doing this angle? What's the purpose of it? What are we building to? What are we trying to get over? And they're doing this because they're wanting Becky to have a Becky two belts moment. And then you're just thinking like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what does that mean? Like, how is this, what matches this building? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, if that's your concern at the moment when it comes to your storytelling, rather than what feuds and what directions you're going in in a much bigger way, then you really have to worry about them. And I think a lot of this and these kind of pent up feelings come out of the fact of a lot of these wrestlers know how bad the writing is and they see another wrestling company and they see trend lines. They see trend lines that are going like steadily downhill for one company and steadily uphill for another one. And they want to get on board on it. And it sounds like fun and they have creative freedom and they get to do a lot more other things. And like you said there, Charlotte Flair is a flair. She already trademarked Ashley Flair as a wrestling name. She's got, had that plan there for a while. I mean, we argue this case a lot and we've said, you know, it's about signing the women that would really kind of mean something. I think you bring her in, you put her immediately in there with Britt Baker. That would really mean something, regardless of whatever people say or dislike about, about Charlotte Flett. I think that's that's a storyline that would just immediately feel like that's a proper big time women's main event story that you're going with. And they need that. Oh, I think you're on mute.
0: That's the thing, like the, the men's division in in AEW got a head start, you know, it had Jericho, it mm-hmm. had Moxley, it's now got Punk, it's now got Brian. Actually I haven't had like a you know, a big star, you know, it kind of had to be created from scratch. You know, Charlotte, Charlotte Fleur walks straight into that role, you know. Um you know, it would it would it would it would, it would be you know, her women's division. I think she knows it. You know, she's got she's got Andrade out there tweeting, you know, F U W W was it that he tweeted, you know, she's Mm. (laughs) She knows what game she's fucking playing, isn't she? It's just, you know, I know what she's after. And you know, Will said here as a counterpoint, it is fair to say, you know, suppose she didn't Mm. stand the corner. If she went out there and did the segments, you know, she shouldn't have agreed to go out rather than doing the passive aggressiveness, but you know there is that, and yeah, I suppose as, as he always puts it, you know, if she went to if she went to AEW, we end up with the same shit. Would be she be refusing to put over Brick Baker? Would she be refusing to put over Sheeta and calling her um Kenny Omega's uh, girlfriend? As has been happening in, uh, in Wrestling Media Week this weekend. Would, the, with the, would there be more of that shit? Maybe there would. To be fair, maybe you got to be careful the uh, mm. the devil you're bringing in. But I don't know. I still think they'd do it, and I still think she'd be. You know, I still think she's right to stand the ground in a way um, on the WWE side. I kind of, maybe it's the fact that I'm just happy from a distance to watch WWE Ben, Maybe that's part of it.
1: it. It's the fact that there's a level of frustration amongst the performers and it comes back to the creative direction as it always does. Hmm. And we'll always hear about writers and the writing's not any good or anything else, but who is telling them what to write. Hmm. And so you end up in this game where like, the emperor has no clothes and you go work all the way around and you go, well, the problem's Vince McMahon. Therefore you kind of need to move that problem on for this company ever to go anywhere. And I think it just makes things worse and worse. I wonder if they feel that it's worth the grief, just letting her go. I wonder if that's what she's kind of trying to push them, push her into, Mm. but uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. They might look at how much they're paying her. It'd be, you know, seven figures, And it'll be a case of going, right, is she worth it? Mm. Let her go. They'll work on the logic that she'll cause more trouble when she's over in AEW. But I think what she would offer AEW is a viable female star Mm. on the level that they haven't had Mm. and that they can't really get from anywhere else Mm. other than WWE.
0: You forget they built a women's division on indie female wrestlers and some stars from japan that people didn't know and weren't but particularly well to be fair you know if you yeah. criticize the company you can't criticize them for that too but you know they didn't they didn't have a great starting point did they and you know as much as we'll criticize the aw women's division it's certainly recovered from that point but it's still you know they've created their own star in a uh, in Britt baker and kind of had to go that route but you know she's quite often at a loss who to, to put her against and yeah I, I wonder whether you know charlotte would be uh it would be worth it. um it would be worth the headache again uh, maybe it's just me i like i like i like uh i like the, the the carnage jp i like the mess i like wrestlers to be their own bosses i like this kind of kickoff uh i think i'd accept that um if it meant a little bit more uh, star power in that aw women's division but I was going to say on on top of that as well. All the WWE news might as well mention it while while we're here as well. Apparently, that like, UK pay per view next year, JP, it's not going to be SummerSlam hmm. anymore. Instead, <gasps> a mysterious pay per view, mysteriously on <laughs> All Out weekend, because of course it is. As uh, WWE put their uh, their schedule out today, saying uh, the the. Uh, the different uh, dates and uh, towns that they are, they're going to be running this year and is uh, this next year, sorry, and it is uh, conspicuous there that there is a, a particular show there with uh, with uh, no announced uh, venue, no announced name of the show, but on uh, on All Out Weekend, uh, the rumor is that it's gonna be it's gonna be that that UK show, but yeah, not SummerSlam apparently, we're getting
1: that instead, twenty <sighs> fifth. 25- anniversary as well absolutely missing a trick you know really are they would have done a sellout they could have had it as an afternoon like do it in the evening in the uk and early afternoon in the states we spoke about this before it doesn't matter because it's already on peacock so they can do what they want with the times. They don't have to hold it to normal pay-per-view.
0: I think it still like, matters to them.
1: I think times. they're like, it's
0: SummerSlam. It's too That's big. It. Can't that. Nah. can't do that. Let's just do unnamed pay-per-view in sep- September 3rd, 4th is the weekend. Let's just do that unnamed determined pay-per-view
1: that, that, that they can have, uh, the Euros can have. But it's but it's a B pay-per-view and there's such a l- drop to those B pay-per-views. And there might be a title change on it or whatever, but oh, do you know, it... it Again, I just think they're missing a trick. Mm. I don't know why they wouldn't, like, they would sell out that stadium. It's one of the other countries which you know by that point in terms of COVID. It'd be very hard to think why you wouldn't be able to run it. I don't, I don't see the logic in not doing it. I mean, uh, they could do a stadium in the States, sure. Mm. This would do a comparable attendance to Wembley if you did um, the um, uh, the Millennium Stadium, the the one in Cardiff it just seemed like a really kind of smart ploy to do mm. doing it the same week. If, if their idea of this is to move it because they want this specifically want to run against all out weekend and what burnout fans on wrestling. Every time WWE have tried to come up against AEW, we could pretty much say it. They failed mm. in every single way, mm. you know, whether it's NXT whether it's aspects of this SmackDown rating, whether it's the idea of thinking they could overload the market with talent and somehow that they would go all WCW because they appear convinced that this is just WCW mm. and that Tony Khan is, I don't know, being operated by the spirit of Ted Turner somehow. And like that, that, that's almost what he thinks at this point. But apparently, Bischoff thinks it too. He's been in the media this week, hasn't he? Saying that that he thinks, what did he say? Something
0: like <sighs> he thinks the Tony Khan is cooking the numbers to uh, to make it look like they're in competition. I feel like Eric Bischoff. Somebody, somebody somewhere told Eric yes, Bischoff. Yes, he he any on anymore.
1: Daily. <laughs>
0: yeah, he invented he invented eighteen forty nines.
1: Wow, for fuck's sake! What week is he on Bischoff? <laughs> Who oh, knows? This point? Not long left, hopefully. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hear that stuff and I hear it from people who, you know, how long, you know, you think of how long Bischoff was in charge of WCW, mm. you know, it's pretty soon, Tony Khan is going to be mm. running AEW that lot longer in, mm. in that role and has a handle. I, I, I. At the end of the day, he knows how to give him the platitudes, but I'm sure he can see through the Carney bullshit. It's why he doesn't hire Bischoff to go backstage, which is probably why Bischoff's pissed off. Mm. And he figures if he does this, I'm assuming he's thinking, oh, Vince is going to need a saviour soon. He'll see that I'm against Tony Khan and he'll bring me in. Mm. Again, for a third time and it won't work.
0: And that's the thing as well, he can't even talk about like the things that went wrong when he was in WWE because, you know, he's got all kinds of <laughs> disclosures up his ass, so you know, what can he even say? Um mm. but no, it does it does feel like that, that like that's probably like a wildly held belief on the WWE side anyway, but yeah, it'd be funny if, like, if all out is you know that same weekend um, that that it does go, you know, pay per views going head to head. That is something you know Tony Khan's tried to avoid, even running against boxing or MMA on the same weekends. Like, you know, it's Labor Day weekend, isn't it? That weekend, so you know that is mm-hmm. another indication. As much as WWE will pretend, you know, they public facing side or say there's no competition there, that's clearly another kind of microaggression i think knowing that's a that's an aw weekend come over here and do this show in in the uk and they can say you know if it doesn't work out they can be like oh well you know you know, or isn't it not that because you know they can be like, oh well, it was in the UK. You know, we were never, we were never trying it anyway. But they'll know putting a free show on that night, the same way they did. You know, when Evolve ran head to head with with AEW at the Stars, and the same way they did with putting NXT against AEW. There's plausible deniability there too. So it's it's a win win from their side, but it's def it's definitely what their idea is.
1: Oh yeah, and I but I don't think they haven't got it in them. I just don't think they they they've got it in. I don't think they've got the nows. and mm. I don't. It feel you know, it feels like we're really kind of stating the obvious, but they this is all done as a refusal to fix the problems that are in their own house, which mm. is namely that they have been producing a bad product mm. now for the better part of two decades, mm. and no one's been around to give them competition or show them a different way mm. what's amazing is that aw beats them and they learn nothing like it feels like they learn nothing from the experience they don't learn like the adam cole example is always going to be the best example the idea of him being brought in as a manager and that was Bruce AW-
0: fucking idea by the way like yeah. <laughs> it's this just this, uh, this wrestling genius yeah Adam Cole, man, even 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 me, JP. I don't like Adam. I did well. I didn't like Adam Cole, you know. I'm not calling for him to be a, a manager. Like, did you hear that Meltzer audio? Like where he was talking there uh, about the ratings from last week. where he was like kind of just mm. saying, like, how out of touch they are the D side and he uses that as like, you know, his main thing. They thought they thought Adam Cole should be a manager. That tells you where they are. They're going back to to big lads in NXT and they're, you know, they're using the uh, the actual, you know, some of the best wrestlers in the world that they've got down there to put over, you know, wrestlers with four or five months worth of experience. Like
1: they are living very much in the past right now, and AEW is trying to move into the future. Yeah, they don't. They they haven't got their fingers on the pulse of actually what people like. Mm. If anything, they've gone that. And if you want the the biggest indictment, is look at the look at wrestling ratings from twenty ten to now. And what do you see? You see basically a forty five degree line, pointing down and going down from like four million down to regularly one and a half now for them. And I'm not saying, you know, Dynamite at the moment is obviously all about the schedule and it's not always pulled up trees every week, but the metrics are up and they're pointing up as well. And it makes me just think, you know, again, it'd be boring. It's the TV deal that comes around. That's that's always, this is the game that's being played is 2023. And you want to be in a position where you're going into 2022 with all your ducks in a row. And I think there's there's things to look at. You look at the attendances, you know, if you follow WrestleTix and you see what's going on there, it's not good. Like, you know, I think there'll come a point where people go to these shows and then they go, oh, yeah, that was a bit shit. I don't know if I'll pay a hundred pounds to go to it next time. Well,
0: this is the because, thing because there's an alternative um, now. And that that yep. that is changing things. Like I think that is, because I think we're guilty as anyone to get lost in demos and you know, mm. really you know numbers that are interesting. But like sometimes, like and I'll do it myself. Be like, oh, AW one. It's like yeah, but the won by a percentage that is well within the margin of error, you know. And we're really focusing in on one thing. And you're right in what you say, JP. The reason we focus on, on that one thing is like, well, when TV deal, TV deal season comes around and AW are making, what, 50 million for their show and WWE for each show is making 250, you expect AW is going to make more money. You expect. The reason WWE are so paranoid of AW is AW going to cut into that market share. It could go either way. You know, WWE could get offered less money because these networks can threaten to go elsewhere or more likely, you know, AW can shop around as much as they love TNT, you know, they might get more money there or, or they might get more money elsewhere, but you know, there are other metrics there. And I think, you know, sometimes we get lost in the demos and don't really you know, mm. give much um, thought to, you know, overall viewership, we should definitely give more thought, like you say, to the, the trends and, you know, ticket sales and live attendance. I mean, that's being shown by, you know, why would you go to these WWE shows when, you know, aw is the much more exciting product right now and that is being borne out in a lot of key markets and i think yeah a big thing just generally is like as aw grows and as aw gets talked about with WWE, you know forbes just doing an article where yes wwe Mm. as the market leader who've been around for 50 years yes they are number one but the fact that they're talking about aw is Either you know narrowly winning in some demos or narrowly losing or just being in the conversation at all is just raising their profile, and I think that's yeah. what these next couple of years are going to be about: is making more and more people kind of aware of what AEW is, more and more wrestling fans who are sick of WWE and you know the fact that they've been treated pretty badly as with contempt as fans for these last you know, for a good part of these last twenty years, knowing there's an alternative out there, and this is. This is where it gets interesting because those, those fans might never come back to the WWE side. Those fans who've been spat on. Like, I even think, you know, this this week's Dynamite, you look at Bobby Fish being on the show and what's his name? The, um, Tony Nice being in, in, yeah, oh, yeah, Tony Tony being in the crowd. Anthony
1: Green. Oh, yeah, Tony Nice. Tony
0: Nice being in the crowd, Anthony Green. I've got criticism for Bobby Fish being all over these TVs. You know, I think Tony Khan clearly in his EWR sim rates um, him much higher than than I would. Um, I think uh, to Tony Khan, he's a 90 technical, and to me, he's a 40, but you know, or a 60. He's a very, very average wrestler. But I honestly think there's a method to that madness. I think you want to pick up those lapsed NXT fans. I know. A lot of them are the same people who are watching AEW, but they're not all. And there are people who are loyalists to NXT who got spat on by WWE. When, as we talked about last week, the, the WWE system in general just decided that lore and that history doesn't matter anymore. All of those wrestlers and that you know next generation that you were super invested in, all of that actually none of it was true and none of it matters and we don't give a fuck. Here's some here's some young wrestlers with shit gimmicks. Enjoy that instead, you cunts. Like those fans have been pissed on and it makes great business sense to, you know, bring those people in. It makes good business sense to bring in the lapsed WWE fans that that are going to come in future. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the real battle we're going to see unfold over the next couple of years.
1: I just think AEW have a strategy for it. Whereas WWE, it's all so fly by night, which it's kind of amazing to see a company that's this far ahead and this far established still book stuff so much on the fly that there isn't a a direction to go in. I don't, do you know what I mean? Like we're not far off what Survivor Series, classically, we would have been brought up thinking WWF knows where they're going to for Mania. And after that, Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think they've got a series of things they would like to go with, but aren't a hundred percent on for the rest of the card. I don't think I've got a fucking clue. Mm. Um, and this is the time when if anything, they really need to start going with new and fresh and trying to kind of, it it feels ridiculous because the whole thing comes back to really, they need to find a way of getting some storylines Who's in control of those storylines, Vince McMahon? Will he make any changes to the current system? Absolutely not. There ends the conversation. Hmm. So
0: I don't know. So what? It is never getting better.
1: You're relying on shareholder pressure. Hmm. You hope, in some ways, that these that the, the, the the woeful creative seeps its way into the television product so much they've got to look at the ratings and go, "What the fuck is going on? This is." seriously what's happening because and all the short-term fixes they've had they've all gone they're all out the system mm. all the uh, there's no one else they can bring it bring in to bump up that number i don't know if there's any other gimmicks or anything else they've done as much as they can do to the point where i don't think it means anything i don't i think if they brought back ronda rousey really wouldn't mean anything
0: hmm. well i think, and as you I think said- she's
1: pregnant anyway so you're not going to see that anytime soon yeah
0: yeah, I just think yeah they're in serious danger of losing you know the 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 die the world WWE fans as well. You know, Meltzer made a good point on that radio show I mentioned earlier. There are no such thing as casual fans anymore. You know, WWE's fan base that are left are all hardcore too, and they're pissing on them. You know, whether it's sacking Braun and Bray or whether it's you know Brian leaving or you know even I know you know Kevin. Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen coming over to to the uh to the AEW side that's another one mm. where like obviously on his own he's not a mega draw but he's another one if I'm a dying world be fan who likes watching Kevin Owens and now I can watch him on a better wrestling show it's another reason you know that that, mm. that, that might you know cause that that kind of tip tip of the balance and like you say you know the the problem is the creative and the creative is is never changing and you know a few people have said in the chat there you know Vince Really doesn't know what what he wants to do next week, let alone Mania. As uh, Chris Elliott said there, Andy saying there, you know, Raw probably as we speak, as we record, is being rewritten for the uh, the fifth time uh, right yeah. now. They're a complete mess. They don't know, you know, what's going to headline mania next year. Simon says, like, don't know any of those answers, and none of that's going to improve because they don't feel it has to. But at some point, it's going to be too late.
1: Every Tuesday, I read out those Raw results, mm-hmm. and every Tuesday I come away going, I don't quite know what's happening on this show. What is it meant to be? What is it meant like? Cause you'll see six or seven matches, but in total it'll add up to about 40 minutes mm-hmm. at most out of three hours. And it's just like a weird fucking skit show. But that's, that's, that's the problem when you've got a television show that just needs complete reinvention. It needs to almost be taken off the air and completely reinvented, but mm-hmm. that's not really an option, but yeah, if you're USA and you're looking at how much they're paying and it's just, you know, you'd have to have somebody who maybe is new to USA coming to the top, watch an episode of Raw and just go, what the fuck is this? Mm. What is, who is this meant to appeal to? Who's it meant to be aimed at? But, uh, you know, to, to paraphrase Tyler Durden, it's only when you hit rock bottom do you know that uh, that you can actually build yourself back up Mm. that's it
0: a, that's a, I saw a, a Simon said there somebody said there who's there for Roman to face you know I saw somebody say that it apparently it's a news story that uh, you know WWE have, uh, have they, have they haven't waited the Smackdown side because they because they think Roman can get some people over okay one there's 20 years of evidence that that's not going to happen <laughs> like mm. and two to be honest there's a couple of years of evidence that's not going to happen just looking at roman reigns run on smackdown um you know it's going to be as dylan said there probably brock again it's going to be a lot of repeat stuff and yeah as simon said if they goldberg lose the- goldberg bring dust him off again you know he did all right in Saudi, so you know that means he's got another uh, couple of years in him
1: yeah you know but if they have to definitely lose the- do goldberg roman uh, have they not done it already I- i'm Maybe some Mandela effect. I kind of assume they have. I feel like I've
0: seen them do a spear through the guardrail spot that, but that could be any <laughs> WWE main eventer. So yeah, like, who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, doesn't look great, but ah, uh, we'll see. See what happens over the other next year. But as we're talking, uh, mm. talking AW, JP, we should uh, we should talk some uh, some dynamite and, uh, and rampage uh, from the weekend. We have got a, a, a lot to uh, to get through. Um, another one of those weird weekends where I'm kind of like I half enjoyed AW being on the weekend just for this podcast really gives us a you know fresh subject to talk about but at the same time I'm looking forward to I Dynamite being back on a Wednesday this week it just feels feels unnatural mm. for, uh, for Rampage to lead into a to dynamite rather than the uh, the other way around. Um, I'd say I haven't got a huge amount of uh notes on uh, on this week's uh this week's episode the Rampage. It was mainly geared around that uh, that pack. Andrade main event that got so many so many big uh, live reviews as far as being a being a great match. Um, and like I say, Andrade was having a great weekend and his uh, fuck WWE tweet that uh, came out a little bit after this match too. Maybe there's a double meaning. Maybe he was just proud of himself for getting out there with a uh, with the former Neville and having a bit of a. a killer match in the main event, but I felt like it lived up to the uh to the mailing. I'd probably go four stars on it. It was a shootout mm. of a match as far as like, you know, big it was very much a big move fest in a lot of ways. And you know, Park yeah is very good at that. You know, Park and Park is is very you know, good at putting, you know, a bit of structure to those types of matches and then draw a day. I kind of think with the right person, um, can have you know very good um, wrestler matches in there. No, yeah, there's a lot of like jawed up spots in it. A lot of really good near falls in it. Wasn't hugely into the post match, which kind of bleeds into some dynamite chatter. But as far mm. as a, a match goes, I I thought this was this was really good, and you know another case of, you know, I was uh, shitting on that crowd uh, last week and saying I wouldn't believe them uh, when they're saying it was a great match. It did turn into a to a great little match. I thought on Rampage, and yeah, probably about a four star. I'd say.
1: Yeah, that's what I went. I went four stars. I thought this is very good. Um, you know, borderline excellent television wrestling. Mm. Um, Yeah. Like you say, full of big spots, a lot of stuff on the, on the apron load of kind of big spots where it looked like people were going to land horribly on their neck and various other things that didn't appear to be completely unscathed. Andrade, you know, in ring, it feels like with PAC and it's a lot to be said about PAC, the PAC has some of the best matches on dynamite and rampage, mm. frankly, like, and he still feels like he's very much kind of underutilized that, uh, you know, they, I think they need to do something more substantial with him at this point, but he's such a good wrestler that he can go in there and have that good match. Cause I remember after the Matt Seidel match, you were thinking, Oh God, Andrade just doesn't look at the races at all. Mm-hmm. And these two pack matches have kind of dragged things out to, um, to a level where you're thinking more positively about him. Although as a character, Andrade is completely confused. And I don't know if this is also a remnant of the fact that we're going to have Flair Clump come in and then Dark Side of the Ring came out, so they sort of put that to the back burner. But he's kind of slightly all over the place. It's very difficult to know where he kind of fits in. I mean, you've got him with MJF and the Pinnacle and now with Pack and the uh, Death Triangle, but probably Cody and everything else. It's it's bleeding into the uh, what you like to think of as the ADHD booking of Cody Rhodes, Mm -hmm. appears to be entering into the phrase for a character that's already been booked in quite a confusing way, even though not to be said, you watch these matches and you go, well, there's a definite career trajectory to get him to a kind of really high level. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's weird. His
1: promos aren't good, though.
0: No. It's weird, the Codyverse. Like, it's just... Yeah, it felt it feels like it's it's a weird gravitational pull of of Cody and his strangely booked, strangely structured feuds. And this was kind of like the point one of, of two points, I suppose, over this weekend where things got a bit weird with that. I mean, I know we all saw Big Tone's notebook that, you know, said that Malachi Black might be doing something with Cody at the pay-per-view, but I don't really think we got there in a very logical way. Like, as much as I'll throw roses at the match, and as much as I enjoyed that, I don't really understand what what is going on with the storyline. Like, why does Malachi Black hate Pac? Why is he siding with Andrade? Like, why, other than to set up, presumably, a tag match at some point, why is, therefore, yeah, Hmm. Cody teaming up with Pac? Like... Didn't really feel like anybody's motivations made any sense on this, and it kind of spilled over to, you know, we can talk about it. The the Jeff Jarrettness of the uh of the Dynamite main events, where yeah. like I was betting you were gonna enjoy it, JP, but it was you know it was more uh more of the same really. With on a, with a backdrop of Cody being treated like he was peak John Cena, with the uh, lots of uh negativity from the uh, the fans towards him, there was a lot of overbooked. Weirdness in the match, too, with just yeah,
1: yeah,
0: on getting involved, and then, like I say, you know, the pack being involved and Andrade being involved. Like, Andrade, like, that was my favorite bit of the match where it was clear timing had gone wrong somewhere because, like, on just stood in the ring for what felt like an age while it looked like you know, one or the two of them were blading (laughs) on the outside, so it was kind of a weird time for on to just be stood there doing nothing, and then Andrade just kind of. Wandered out aimlessly like he had all the time in the world to get there. It was just so strange. And it's, you know, I understand he wanted to tell this story of, you know, I I'm not someone who thought Malachi Black needs to be Cody's roads three times in a row. I understand the story of, you know, Cody has, you know, gone back to the yeah. the drawing board. He's trying to build himself back up again. And this match is supposed to be like a triumph triumphant babyface moment. But as we said in previewing it, one, it came too early. And two, it came in this cluster of a main event that could have been you know taking place in tna in 2003 mate it was it was it was yeah
1: like... i've written on here like the first bit of my notes is what a weird match what a mm-hmm. weird weird match I. that's not to say i didn't enjoy it in that absolute kind of like kind of clusterfuck type way um but it was just yeah like you mentioned all of the kind of elements of this match that kind of came together. So you've got the fact that it just sort of went into an almighty sprint at the end, didn't it? In, in all, because they were worried about TV time. That was what I hadn't noticed it at the time, but I did think it was very odd that Cody got up from a black mass, reasonably fell into the ropes then just kind of got up and then ended up getting him into the, the kind of the crossroads and the rest of it. I would say that the overall thing is it's the fact that the crowd like Malachi Black. They like that presentation of the character. They like the music of the character, which I can kind of get on board with, actually. I do think his tune's all right, which makes me then start to disprove that maybe he's right all along with all of the things that Malachi Black has said, which I don't want that to be the case. I know. That would feel awful. Um, but I think it's worked, and I think this kind of booking has worked to get him over. But what it has done is it makes the Cody character... So confused. Now, that's not to say there isn't a place on Dynamite for this kind of slightly weird, wacky booking that when it works can be very dramatic and look very good. But a lot of the times it feels like a soap opera involving him and involving his family and his extended family in the nightmare family, you might say. And it's, it's a Cody Rhodes soap opera that kind of exists and then disappears when he's not around. Mm. And then he'll come back in. And all the usual people will come out and you'll have Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson at ringside and all of this stuff. And so it, I, and, and the problem is at the end of this, if they go to like what, some sort of cage match at the pay-per-view, mm. are they going to do something along those lines? Because if they do that, then, you know, we're just getting him with his face covered in blood cheering on as half the crowd boo him. <laughs> but they come, but, I mean, in some ways, I just think the way they're going, carry on with this. Lean into it. It's getting a reaction from the crowd, which is probably the most important thing above all else. It's not just like it's dying a death. But it's very, very weird and very confused. And you mentioned earlier on the only connection, and Chris in the chat mentions it as well, is the Zelina Vega links between Andrade and Malachi Black. Maybe Um, later. But... what use is that seeing as she's contracted to the other company? So it makes no, yeah. Some explanation was like, we were both fired from the same place recently, so we kind of get on maybe that way. That's the only other
0: Maybe of- that's the genius. Maybe that's Cody's genius shining through that, yeah, we're supposed to all get this. Um, but yeah, it's mm. like this whole, you know pe- people get the Cody criticism wrong, I think. But there are idiots out there who are like, oh, Cody wins lol, and they treat him... You know, mention mentioned the John Cena comparison there, like it's John Cena or like it's, you know, peak Jeff Jarrett TNA or Hogan oh, no. or somebody like that who's going over when he shouldn't. And, you know, that's not borne out by his record. Uh, and, you know, and this was a, was a win, but, you know, obviously he was definitively beaten by, by Malachi Black twice before anyway, so I don't really uh, buy it as, you know, that being the legitimate criticism of Cody. And I think the legitimate criticism of, of Cody is he's trying to... If he is trying to walk this in a line, at the end of the day, all of this clever booking and all of this clever storyline... All, all that's happened at the end is, is we've, we've all just kind of collectively gone, ah, fuck off with you, Cody. Like, that's just how everyone seems to feel. Yeah. No one's got time for his bullshit. Like, look, we're in a different place now with AEW. Brian Danielson's here, CM Punk's here. There's a lot of exciting things going on. Hangman Page is here, John Moxley's here, Eddie Kingston's here. Like, all of these baby faces have leapfrogged Cody Rhodes. And we just haven't got time for him anymore for this melodrama and this nonsense and. Like, I'm still not sure they are aware enough. I say they, Cody is aware enough for it not to... I think he's aware enough to be leaning into it in small ways. Like, there was a point in this match where, at the finish, I, mean, I honestly thought he was going for a pedigree. And I know I'm not the only one. I think most people thought he was going to finish the match with a pedigree. And that would really wind up the that. people who think Barry him. It would have been really
1: meta. And to be honest, I think it would have been really I'd have, clever. Um, I'd have fucking pissed myself <laughs> when he did that. I was, I was, going, for a second, I was like, oh, fucking get in. This would but, be great.
0: But, it, I mean, instead, you know, it's, it's Tiger um Ninety three instead I mean I'll t- I'll take that. Um, you know, that it's kind of a kind of funny just to see, you know, Cody, you know, hitting, you know, I I. the J Driller uh, as a finish and treating it like it's like, you know, like he's this work rate guy and he's not. And I think that's a troll move in itself. But I do think he thinks he can get away with flirting with this heel side and doing these little things to to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, acknowledge the fact that he's getting booed. But at the end of it, continue to be Tweener Cody Rhodes, continue to be AW's John Cena, continue to allegedly not want to turn heel because it'll upset his young baby daughter or whatever the fuck bullshit reason he's come up with. I mean, come on, mate, she's, she's fucking not even like a couple of months old it'll be, it'll be another five or six years before she can even put the telly on let's uh pump the brakes on that being a reason why you can't turn heel i worry that like he's just going to become more and more unlikable and they're just going to carry on down this path and and do you know the fatal mistake that they made with you know in that they they never they never bother changing things to the point where they pretend you know the normal of being booed by half of your audience when you're allegedly one of the top baby faces in the company is acceptable when it wasn't, and it shouldn't have ever been acceptable. Like I don't know. I wonder if how far Cody's awareness goes with all of this stuff.
1: I don't think he has much awareness at all. Let's be brutally honest about it. Of the limited amount, and I, I'm believe it or not, Rose to the top finishes this weekend. Does it? Um, yeah, they've completely gone through eight episodes at pace. Some of them with like double episode stuff, hmm. and the rest of it. But there's a part of me who wants to watch it. And I don't know it's a reality show, so obviously it's a constructed reality, mm. or as in it's not reality at all. Um, but I'm intrigued to see it because the impression I got from watching the limited amount I've seen on that show is a man who isn't who isn't self aware in that way. However, there's a lot of it just seems to me if you look at it in in sensible book wrestling booking 101, you turn him heel, you need new heels. You always like you've got an overabundance of baby faces, but you need some kind of top line heels. He fits that perfectly, Mm. doesn't he? And when he did it before in Ring of Honor, I don't know, it's a limited scale. It actually drew really well for Ring of Honor. Um, And he was great as that fucking shithead champion who was like the antithesis of like what Ring of Honor was. <laughs> Certainly the Ring of Honor I've been watching recently, that Cody Rose wouldn't have fitted in well at 2005, 2006 Ring of Honor Benno. That would have been an interesting sight. But like, I, I think that would work, but yeah, it, it, it it's hard because the storylines themselves don't often play out the way they should do because as you've mentioned before, he gets bored and then the booking ends up moving on in another direction. So
0: yeah, he needs all power taken away from him. That's probably what he needs. Like, imagine, like, I'm just thinking about, like, the alternative to what, what Cody's been doing in AW. Imagine if he was the the big bad heel going up against Moxley. Imagine if he was the big bad heel going up against Punk, against Brian, against Hangman Page, against Kenny. Like, all of these things work. And I bet you we get none of them. I bet we don't get one because Cody's insistent on being a hero to his baby daughter, or whatever the fuck, or, you know, being that guy who turns up every few weeks and then disappears again because he's so intent on... You know, putting over the Lee Johnsons of the world. I just don't think it's the, you know, it's the it's the ideal use um, of Cody, even at this stage where he's been, you know, clearly moved down the roster by, you know, the influx of new signings. I just think he needs to get out of his own way. Uh, is the main thing. But yeah, like I say, as a match up, I, I did laugh at it. I did have fun, but I did kind of, you know, I laughed at it and with it, and and you know the 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 extent to which this live crowd turned against, turned against Cody was was mm. extremely dangerous to me and I know they maybe turned around a little bit for the uh, for the finish and he luckily he didn't get booed out the building but I don't know, you got to take some some note um, of those moments and uh, and book accordingly and let's hope they're playing some game with us long term JP because I don't think that can uh, this can to continue on um, speaking of the roads boys I suppose another um, highlighter will probably talk. Dynamite and Rampage together. If you've got any other Rampage, you know. Yeah. Deep. But um, yeah. Dustin. Uh, Dustin Rhodes had a had a cracking little match with uh Danielson Danielson on this show. Really enjoyed oh, yeah. that. I had to stop myself because I oh of course these two have wrestled before. You know there was that great, you know I, I say great, but that that little period where you know I'll say a nice thing about Cody. Cody and Dustin as a tag team were in the were in the WWE and you know. Danielson, the the Shield were around. There was like a great half an hour for every three hours of WWE TV at that point, which we probably should have all, um, you know, enjoyed um, while it lasted. You might get a, a decent punk promo as well during mm. that, that period. Um, that uh, that
1: ruined that road storyline. That looked like it had real potential. Well, Dusty and stood I up to fucking... Stephanie,
0: didn't he? So you know, yeah, <laughs> that
1: off. was it. In, <laughs> it in was a over. promo. He quite wisely, for once, took the mic off her and just went shut up and just like <laughs> went on with dusty promo, as he should have done, yeah as he was completely right to do there but you go. The, hitting the whole problem with her and her character is no one's able to get over on them, so take no charge um but yeah, and so it
0: wasn't exactly a completely fresh match, but it was still cool to get to get to see you know Brian Danielson in there with the uh, the former natural Dustin Rhodes and just going out there and having a Having a great little TV match, yeah. Like Brian Danielson, like he worked dark this week as well. I know you read the spoilers, JP, and it's just he's yeah. just gone. He's willing. He's going out there. He's gonna. He's finally doing what I was hoping he'd do and Kind of what it feels like Punk might be doing now. Just go up there and wrestle everyone. There isn't a wrestler in AEW I don't want to see against Brian Danielson. Some of them can be big pay per view matches. Some of them can be little TV matches like this. But there's so much to it. That works, and I loved it. I loved that, like you know, Tony Schiavone was great on commentary as well, pointing out. I think it was him pointing out that um, you know, this was the first time in AW where Danielson was in there with somebody with more experience than him. Thought that was really cool, and added like a a different layer to the match. I loved. Danielson using you know a, a different finish you know going for the uh, the to this time um, which was which was cool it wasn't particularly over with the crowd it didn't feel like that is the uh, the negative to going against you know WWE's thinking of you know every finish is a finisher um, but I like this I like this creative Danielson I like that you know he gets his running knee in the match and it wasn't hit ex- you know exactly like it would be in wwe in fact you know that dustin turned around and their clothesline and when he went for it uh, another time in the match as well you know turning a lot of those old daniel bryan tropes on on their heads and just being out there and being a creative artist of a pro wrestler i just thought this was a a really really fun tv match and a, a great way to start the show
1: i did i went three and a half on it um i completely agree with you it's the kind of match that i thought this is, it's the fact that Danielson can have a match with Dustin Rhodes, mm. not something he would have to lobby for mm. backstage at WWE. This is the reason why I should have this match mm. to a certain degree. It's like, no, that seems like an interesting matchup. We'll put them together. And the fact it's two faces, that's the other thing that AEW have done well face versus face and even heel versus heel to a degree that happens mm. because it's the natural way that rankings and tournaments work, isn't it? Is he going to get those kind of matchups as well? So I really, I really enjoyed this, and it, and it again, it, it what was it? Five different finishers, five matches mm. that he's that he's used. People will start to buy the guillotine as a, um, as a, as a finisher because I think he's so good that he'll make it get over. Mm. Um, and I think at the moment what this does, seeing him appear all over, is it just adds a little buzz if you're going to go to an A. E. Dark, uh, dark taping. For example, and if you're gonna, you know, you know, the fact he's gonna be wrestling, he's not phoning it in at all against anyone. He's back, it appears to be the thing he's rediscovering that love of being able to wrestle. I imagine the real re- rediscovery comes when he does an independent date or two. Mm. I think that, that'll that be it's when he's in those National Guard armories and the like that the real kind of nostalgic Brian Danielson will come through, won't it? Um, <laughs> but
0: or a pop wrestler, it, it, Max Sabre Jr., hopefully.
1: He, as it should be and Chris Linnay should be front row he should be made to wear a glasses and a wig in honour of, <laughs> of the last time he was there Um sat next to Spud <laughs> sat next to Spud um, but, uh, over, overall I mean I've really enjoyed this Danielson run so far every match he has I find interesting if nothing else I just go that's an interesting match I'm going to watch it and being a Dustin Rhodes fan I was predisposed to be a fan of this as well mm. and dusty dustin, dustin Rhodes. what we all have to remember is he's in his early 50s mm-hmm. and he's still wrestling to a fucking high standard yeah whenever asked
0: yeah that's it and it's you know he can he can he's another one he can he can pick and choose and you know doesn't have to be on dynamite every week but just wheel him out and you've got like you say you've got somebody who, who can turn it on and be like he's early 90s dustin once again it's just it's great to see um and you mentioned that you know i uh, think the other thing about this Danielson character, like we can talk about Lance Archer and, and Eddie Kingston as the other um, title tournament uh, match, but like, did you see that promo with him and Eddie Kingston um, building up to their match with uh with uh, the, I think the edit in the uh, the ad break for Road at to the Top, and it was so good. It was just Danielson being a little bit of a dick, kind of you know saying to Eddie Kingston, "Oh, you know, you've got all the heart in the world, and you know you got all the fight in the world," but. You never really put the work in, did you? You know, it's kind of like you just needling Eddie because yeah. that is the that's the truth of, uh, in some ways, or at least maybe not even the truth, just the criticism that Eddie Kingston. Uh, will have been labelled with over over the years, or might have labelled on himself. Maybe he could have, you know, worked a little bit harder. Maybe he could have, you know, pushed himself a, a little bit more. What rather than you know rely, you know, outside of the ring, I suppose more than anything, rather than relying on his charisma. There's like little, little little kind of blurred line there because he did have some some um, some some dark years, Eddie Kingston, in his in his long career. You know, I think you know the match will come, and I think Daniel will end up full babyface when he walks out, and Eddie will you know earn his respect or get his respect back, however you want to put it. But I love that as a little realistic way to, you know, to address the fact that these two have probably share the million locker rooms with each other in the, uh, in the two thousands and just have a little bit of a, a realistic build up to the match on rampage this week. I love it.
1: Oh, I'm completely with you on this, but I also like the fact that it ties into the fact that we all know he's going to be facing Moxley at the pay-per-view mm. and you've got Moxley and Kingston there as well. That's true. Yeah. Plus, Plus, at the same time, you've got Moxley taking on kind of beloved baby faces in his run, like in terms of he's taking on someone from the dark or they take on Negative One's favorite wrestler? Mm. Then he'll take on Orange Cassidy, and then it'd be Brian Danielson. So, and we said this, I think, a couple of weeks ago that we said we thought he was leading to a Moxley heel turn mm. as well at some point, because that would really freshen up his character as well. So, mm. that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. And y- yeah, what to get the match? It was
0: unfortunate, one Eddie and Lance. I think, yeah, you know, I was, yeah. I, I, to be honest, I, you know, we were up late watching it, and I looked away and kind of didn't really realise kind of what had happened. I just knew. Mm. I think I saw Lance go for the moonsault and miss it, but I didn't realise the extent with which he kind of landed on his head, and you know. God bless. He's fine, you know. At least you know as fine as you can Mm. be. He's done a couple of updates saying, you know, thanks everyone for reaching out. But scary moments. It was built into a a fun brawl of a match. Uh, Didn't love them using the. uh, I don't love the crowd spots they've been doing a lot like i just think it's fake pro wrestling stuff like when if lance archer is lance archer really pulling a fan out the crowd and is this fan how, how yeah. quick is that is this fan knows how to bump you know what i mean like everyone watching it knows it's a yeah. wrestling trainee like if it was a real fan there'd be much more going on there'd be much more kickoff like i'd rather be just like you know it was somebody in the corner who like who's helping the cameraman or something like that you know get, at least give us that oh. rather than try and like um you know make us think it's a fan like i hate all of that stuff but you know that aside, it was building to to something good, and then yeah, kind of went went hey went uh, nowhere because of uh, no fault of anybody in the match. I, I would say a little bit of blame. I would say I I don't really agree with Lance getting back in the ring. I'm not the safety police, but I think at that mm. point, if Eddie's going over anyway, just end the match. Like do what they did yeah. in the G1 final. We're gonna talk about in a bit. Just referee calls it off. It's over. You don't need him to roll in there to to get rolled off by by Eddie again. If it was more serious than it is, then that would be a really bad decision. You know, we don't need a, another Steve Austin Owen Hart uh, situation. And thankfully this wasn't that, but it definitely drew echoes of it by them, you know, insist on doing the finish.
1: Oh, uh, honest uh, Well, I'm I, again, completely with you. I, I just thought, again, if you don't need to do this, you could just end this now. And if he's all right, then that builds to a nice rematch. Sorry to think wrestling terms in that mm. way if he's all fine and healthy then it's like a football. you know referee stopping the the fight in advance quite often we see this in sort of ufc and boxing that naturally ends up leading to a uh to a rematch so yeah i really don't think that um that like the idea of letting them come in i you know i feel the same when i watch football and i see someone who's taken a clear knock to the head it's just like take him off check him out and in wrestling no fucking way should he be continuing (coughs) what did it add to the match Mm. other than the flat finish Mm. so like there wasn't any benefit Mm. through him going back into the ring as well other than that's what he wanted at that particular moment in time Mm. Agreed, but yeah, you shouldn't. I suppose that's the other point, isn't it? You shouldn't necessarily listen to the wrestler.
0: You know, the wrestlers don't necessarily yeah. know what's what's best. But again, I'm not the safety police. It just it seemed to me like there was an obvious solution here. I suppose it's live TV. Things can things go how they do, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was on there. I'm trying to think what else we got big from Dynamo. I Suppose there's the Punk stuff. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Anthony Green and Bobby mm. Fish felt like a a match right out of uh, NXT. I really don't understand why Tony Carl loves Bobby Fish so much, unless he really is thinking in the, the gorilla way I am, that, oh, well, we might get, you know, an extra 15,000 NXT fans who, you know, would die the NXT fans to move Will up you? and join that gobshite Everton um, supporter from the front row and become a, become AEW guys. I, I think there's logic to that. I really do. But, you know, maybe, maybe Bobby Fish isn't the guy to do I it I think with. you
1: need a good, yeah. Yeah. He's you just need a, a Gugano, good- oh, Yeah. Kyle or Kyle O'Reilly.
0: Yeah, and they should come in and then hopefully they will. I mean, maybe Bobby Fish is just here as a placeholder for Kyle O'Reilly to come in at some point. I think, you know, uh, as much as kyle Rowley's a better singles wrestler than bobby fish they're still better than the, some other parts as a team i'd rather see them back together um yeah it, it is odd he's a six out of ten wrestler and he's been on you know six out of ten of the shows that they've had since yeah. uh, i've had since they've hired him and now we're building to a match with cm punk that i don't think even bobby fish wanted to see or you know <laughs> it's just it, it somehow <laughs> happened i think i think you know old school jack jackson fans uh weren't even built you know Hyping themselves up for Bobby for Jack Jackson versus CM Punk in ROH in the mid 2000s, never mind in 2021, but it's a match. Um, and we got a nice punk surprise moment, even if the crowd maybe didn't recognize who he was without the music and his hat on.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it'll be a match. It happens. I can already see what this match will be like in my head. And CM Punk wins
0: because Danielson Fish I- made sense as, like, you know similar-ish styles you know as much as that Bobby Fish Danielson doesn't excite me hugely it It made sense like as a chemistry thing even you know if it probably was Danielson's weakest match I don't get pub no
1: I I, I don't but it's kind of one of these killing time things until and I think that's all we're doing is we're having like I think the idea is to build up the anticipation for what's his first big feud going to be. And it appears to be MJF. Mm. If you're going from sting to Darby Allen, CM Punk feels like the natural kind of, I could see him getting involved at the pay-per-view and that leading into that storyline. But I do, will say with Bobby Fish, something that AEW do that I do kind of like is the way they cycle people in for a whole string of matches, even if it's on dynamite and rampage, and then they'll kind of disappear for a bit. Mm. So, I do see, I can see the logic in it. It's just something it doesn't excite me in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. And, you know, he's not going to end up being like a pushed commodity anyway. So you think, could you use this TV time better if you're thinking of TV time as real estate? And I still think you can do than getting Bobby Fish in there. Turning up a dark, dark elevation, fine. Yeah, definitely, definitely two or three too many bobby fish appearances i think we've had yeah in recent times but i yeah, us hope it's it's it seems one it's been replaced things. by tony niece probably in a in, in a similar type-ish oh, role
0: he's never offered anything what a what a like that to be fair, that is one where it's like oh, what what's he, like he's a charisma vacuum who's a Another six, he's yeah. a six and a half out of 10 wrestler. If he's not a six out of 10 wrestler, like, yeah, we don't need him, like, we don't need a, him. That's like, very this good way I sound like wrestler. Gareth,
1: like, we don't need any more of these people coming in and taking spots. He's not special enough to think of, like, if you think your spots are limited and where your resources are, you wonder, do you need him to come in? Like, there are a lot of places Tony niece can go. This is where they should be using their relationships with the like of an impact. Impact, in a way, should be the proving ground for how somebody comes out and debut, whether or not you can see what they're like at this particular moment in time. And I think the idea of bringing in Tony nice is, like, what are you going to do? You know, you know unless he's suddenly learned how to be really good on the stick, he's going to come across as a guy who's in tremendous shape, a good professional wrestler, but nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. and certainly like where is he going to add in what areas what division is he gonna is is he gonna really add something because and i can see him coming in being like Abby fish us talking in about two months time about how we're sick of seeing tony knees nice, and then he disappears off in some sort of indie run and we go all oh, right <laughs> he was there for a bit mm.
0: yeah i think that's it um not think what else we got on there what else we got jp what, what any other big notes from from dynamite or rampage
1: um, not really. I mean, there were things there was a couple of matches like from I'm trying to think from Rampage necessarily, like Orange Casty, Powerhouse Hobbs. I just wanted to say I, I didn't like the idea of Powerhouse Hobbs being in this spot and having to lose and the stuff with Bryce Remsburg I thought was fucking daft. And Britt Baker versus Anna J was a bit kind of nondescript. And mm-hmm. as much as I like Ty Conti, I'm I'm not convinced that having that match at the pay-per-view is, is necessarily the way to go, but it'll, it'll be a be good show full gear mm-hmm. and the, the direction full gear is going in. Mm-hmm. You look at it as a pay-per-view. You look at is as the difference between that and the big WWE pay-per-views where, you know, we're getting the culmination of like a couple of years storyline here with Adam Page. So fingers crossed that we do, you know, there's, there's lots of like really cool stuff. I think that at least they're doing. And, some of the stuff we've gone through that's building up to matches on... You know, the Cody match will be on the undercard, mm. but it'll be an event. It'll be something that'll be worth keeping an eye out for. To
0: so that point, you know, the Kenny Hammam build, there was, you know, that promo and Dynamite um, with Kenny mm. down the box and call. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> mm. I, it's like... <sighs> Kenny will do... Like they'll, they'll, I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to do another... We're going to get to the heat we had, you know, a couple of months ago with Kenny and hanging on, they'll do some kind of killer in-ring segment and get me back. I'm not even saying I didn't laugh, like, I did laugh, you know, when they did, and you know, they cut that promo, Um, you know, Kenny and and the boxer and Adam Cole and Kenny talking about how Adam Cole gave him, you know, the funny line at the end, but it was still low rent. It was still, you know, big mm. car Kenny. Like, I, I I just, you know, we say, about Cody, we need to get out of his own way, like, Kenny needs to get out of his own way. Like, I, I'm looking forward to the conversation we have, and because I don't even think we're gonna agree, but like when this Kenny run is over as world champion, you know, and he drops the belt to Howman in presumably a very, very good match. There've been clear highlights in this title run, the Danielson match a few weeks ago. I'm not forgetting it, that was great. There was a Moxie match at the start of the run, that was great. There was some of this Howman stuff, that was great. But it wasn't every week, cause like, or even every month, or even every couple of months, because there was a lot of goofball mid-card comedy in Kenny's act and promos and in undercutting, I feel like, some of his biggest matches. And there were some, you know, mediocre matches um in there as far as Kenny's standards go, as like a as a world champion, best belt machine. It's been an odd run. And this promo for me was kind of like yeah that that's that's the bad kenny that's the kenny i don't want to see that's the kenny at least as world champion that's not the you know i want to see kenny and hangman go back and forth i want to see this be the biggest match on the show i'm sure we'll get there but you know i don't think this was this was helpful stuff i don't know if i'm being too harsh jp i
1: don't know if you're being too harsh necessarily I, i The way I'm kind of trying to view Kenny Omega is whether or not they're doing the three-step a three-step process with him at the moment, um, to get him to the spout machine. And what we're gonna see is the end of the silly era of Kenny Omega, where he loses the title and then he goes into what i w I'm hoping will be sort of New Japan. Like chasing the title, Kenny Omega, and it's the focuses on on being the best wrestler in the world. But I think that's more fantasy booking and wish fulfillment on my part yeah, than anything it. else. <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry for, for the Don't it,
1: buy it. It sounds like a nice <laughs> idea, but it also sounds like a justification for it. Um, I agree, and I. I, I that's where it comes down to their use of television time and the structure of it. It's like they want to have him on the show, but yeah, like I say, it, it did come across as low rent. I, I'm just less agitated by it. Yeah, I, I I don't find myself getting as upset like by it as as you do, but I know why you do. I can kind of get why, but I just kind of look at it and, and brush it off almost. But really, to a degree, the sell, the sell of this is less Kenny Omega. And I think much more Adam Page, mm. which is quite odd when you think about it. And that that dynamic is much more about Adam Page. This is much more about Adam Page's story. The closer we get to it, the more I'm convinced that they're they're taking the title, they're putting the title on Adam Page because that's what the smart, sensible booking decision is at this point. So yeah,
0: I'll see, see. Um, elsewhere on Dynamite, I suppose the only things I wanted to to note, yeah. Jungle Boy squashed Brandon Cutler. Speaking of Kenny, I'm glad that it, that wasn't a real one. Mo- as soon as I saw Brandon Cutler on a, on a graphic like that, that's too far for me. I know we got squashed, oh. but even that's yeah. too much. He shouldn't be on the fucking show, but at least he barely got the offense in and uh, I lost. Felt a bit yeah. strange, like you know, the kind of doing, you know, the, the segment with the, you know, canny calling out hangman and then there's that they're involved in a few with jungle boy and there's obviously all of dark order cut a promo backstage about them as well felt a little bit like it was maybe you know these are segments that should have been at different points in the show, if you know, beat it, you know, the uh, mm. the elite lads are going to have all of these uh, different feuds uh, kind of going on at once, but still, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad it was uh, mercifully short. And yeah, I suppose the only other notice, yeah, the other the other women's match on the show, Penelope Ford and Ruby Soho, you know, Ruby Soho going over strong feels a little bit WWE. feels a bit king and queen of the ring to have mm. two tournaments going on at once. That that was a, a yeah. take I had watching the show, I was like, oh yeah, I hadn't really thought through the fact that. Both of these tournaments were, were happening at the uh, at the same time. Well, they want to establish the second women's title. Ruby Soho went over pretty strong uh, over Penelope Ford, and I'm pretty sure that this entire tournament is going to be uh, built around Ruby Soho.
1: Um, I'd imagine so. Do you, do you expect her to, to win it then in the end? I think so, or at least make it to the final okay, because I'm just getting the brackets up now because I know they went through them, but it's it's a little bit harder to remember. Mm. Um but yeah, they've got like four of them with the buys. It it depends where it there's a part of me thinks Jade Cargill. Mm. Like rather than, than Ruby Soho, because I think they want to keep Ruby I suppose Soho. Suppose that was the spoiler on Tone's um,
0: notebook, wasn't it? But then you have to have Soho lose on the way there. How does that happen?
1: Um I think they'll do it, but I think they'll do it just through having some sort of bullshit interference. Does mm. that makes sense?
0: That's true. She'd have to, looking at the bracket, she'd have to lose to either Nyla Rose or Shida, uh, or, or Serena Deeb, maybe Serena Deeb, but I suppose with that, that renewed heel post. In fact, that makes sense, doesn't it? Maybe if she knocked it out in the semi-final, mm. Serena Deeb and Jay Cargill could, in fact, be the, uh, the final match. Maybe that's I, where we go.
1: I've not enjoyed this Ruby Soho run. I don't think the matches have been particularly great. I, I like the entrance and other stuff there, but I remain to be kind of convinced at the moment that she's should be fitting in that kind of top tier. But as with a lot of people who've come from WWE, I half expect them to kind of work off stuff mm. at that point and perhaps do then a bit more. You know, I, I expect them to see a bit more from them kind of in the ring as well. It doesn't help if it's always the bunny and Penelope Ford because mm-hmm. they're just there as these like completely low rent undercard heels in the women's division, and oh, just, I just, I just don't need to see them. But I know that lots of other viewers do, and they do decent ratings, don't they? Do. But it's they yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still not sure this women's division can carry a secondary title, but.
0: Let's see. Let's see where we end up. Uh, yeah, with this tournament. Uh, any other notes on on AW in general, JP?
1: No, no, no. That's it. I think.
0: Yeah, interesting. I dynamite already on Wednesday. I'm happy dynamite's back on Wednesdays. Back to my uh, my regular routine. I think that's that's good, and it's nice to only have a couple of days. Wait until uh, another big show.
1: Yeah, much preferring a Wednesday. It just feels like it's it's more natural. I think for these last couple of Saturday, I've been somewhat thrown. Mm, by watching same. a lot of AEW over like a couple of mornings, I'm like, oh okay. Can
0: mm-hmm. we
1: get back to the wet? I-, I liked having to watch it on the Thursday.
0: Yeah, and then Rampage is like an optional little hour that you know you can
1: watch if you fancy it, but you don't necessarily. Saturday have. morning. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, works well. It's better than my old Saturday morning routine of uh, throwing SmackDown on while I was uh, cleaning up the house. So. Oh,
1: yeah. At least there's that. Well, um, the ultimate Saturday morning routine involved watching. Um Gazetta Football Italia at 10 o'clock on Channel 4 Ben, I'm <laughs> pretty sure then, then you probably could have watched WWE Experience and probably for Andy Andy Ogden in the chat the morning line at 9 till 10 <laughs>
0: yeah just seeing Andy's turned up though <laughs> he's mentioned there yes, yeah, maybe reported. Ethan Allen injury at a, a catch mm. hope that's not a, not too serious knee injury yeah Um hopefully uh, hopefully it's uh, not too
1: bad yeah fingers crossed could okay. do with that hopefully just just a tweak, but mm. yeah.
0: Indeed. Um moving on then I suppose we should talk G one. Uh did you want enter jfa Remember when we used to dedicate I was a podcast to, to G1. Uh, Brickdown. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about it on the weekend show on Friday. The so patrons heard there. Yeah. Uh, I suppose our instant takes to the results of these shows. I've since been able to to catch up with the uh, the final or at least watch the uh, the important stuff on it. I have. I have heard JP that apparently um, apparently New Japan is good again now because. Shibata came back for a, a five-minute match where, with his scrambled brains, he can't even take a bump. Uh, apparently, New Japan, that means New Japan's good again, rather than, you know, everyone just being excited because it was cool to see Shibata come back. Like Yeah, I don't know if it means anything for the, uh, the health of the company going forward, but that was fun. That was a nice positive thing to come out of the G uh, one finals. I don't know if there's uh, there's much else positive you can say. I don't know how much of it. You've uh, you've even bothered to go back and catch. I'll be honest. I couldn't. Uh, once it got once once I knew that about the finals, like I watched the uh, the final out of mm-hmm. curiosity to you know. F- I'm sure everyone knows, but see the uh, unfortunate freak injury to Kota Ibushi that led to the, the finish of that match. But couldn't really be asked with anything else on
1: the card. Uh, Shibata and Zack Saber aside. No, I was exactly the same. I actually had the intention of trying to watch some of it and I just felt very depressed mm. and it was multi-man stuff and I went, I don't care because there's not going to be an exciting new announcement. There's not going to be some big debut. That's not really... Well, other than the Shibata thing, which I'd already heard about mm. um, uh, by that point, that was the lone highlight. And in some ways, he'd argue that the lone highlight of the G1 is the possible return of Katsuyori Shibata uh, at this point because, you know, outside of that i mean the main event again like you i kind of knowing that there was an injury it was like oh god let's see how what happens i didn't know where it happened in the match so obviously at the time it happens like 25 minutes have gone so we're right kind of at the um at the end of the match and i thought it was it was it was good um like it was wrestled, like it was like kind of a big time main event match, but it didn't still feel like a G1 climax, which is what this entire, entire, um, uh, issue has been with the G1 climax overall is it's just not been that much fun. And it wasn't here. And obviously red shoes took exactly the right decision. It it was cursed. That was the phrase. Um, used on the weekend show it was a cursed g1 and it was and we've seen kind of statistical breakdown from from uh you know on grapple and it really doesn't you know it doesn't the story of this g1 is just how much we all kind of need to move past it however the things that they're setting up for the three dome shows yes three dome shows because now become kind of incredibly convoluted and they're introducing a whole new level of convolutedness with a card wanting to bring back the original title, which by the way, I'm completely in favor of mm. let's, um, let's, is it, let's put, let's poochie the IWGP world heavyweight title. That, that, that's what we're doing. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think it is. Let's, I mean, I'll take it. I guess just, yeah. let's just get rid of it. Let's just move on. Why
1: bother in the first place is what I would argue is an absolute waste of time. Osprey's already doing a real world champion angle, so maybe this confuses that further, but
0: let's hope that's the way we're well, going. But no, I mean I was just gonna say, like on the match itself, like I was same as you, I knew the spoiler. Unfortunately, mm. as we talked about on the weekend show, couldn't find a gif of the thing <laughs> or a video of the thing, because you know, New Japan have chased everybody off Twitter and everyone's afraid to lose their Twitter accounts to you know, talk about their shows. Like, what a great business decision. I know it's not. I know it's TVSI, but you Japan deserve as much blame as far as I'm concerned for not putting that fire out. Like, literally, I saw Kevin Kelly on Twitter this last week, outright apologising to to fans and just saying, "Yeah, I know it's terrible. I'm doing my best to have a word with the people in charge so to, to fix these issues." But when I did mm. actually finally uh, see the footage of it, I was surprised how quickly it all happened. And obviously, it was late in the match, 25 minutes in. But then when it happens, it's just immediate, isn't it? It's called off and Okada's the winner pretty much. You know, the, you know, There's a few moments where Red Shoes maybe isn't sure if Ibushi's working or not, but once it becomes clear he wasn't, he just calls it and you know i used it as the show that uh, it'll be in the show images here you know that that image of okada just sat in the corner his ears are, uh, in a big frizz it just says across the screen you know he's got a shock face and it's got you know g1 winner kazuchika okada sums up g1 sums up new japan right now <laughs> like that is that is where we are and you know that obviously unfortunate and obviously terrible what's you know what happened with with kosara mm. I definitely had some concerns myself as to whether he should even be in a ring, or a, maybe not even in a ring, but doing a a schedule as hectic as the G one, considering what he's just been through. But that aside, it's a tragedy that I don't think you can do a, a huge amount to avoid. But it does sum up where they are right now. And if you can't pin your hopes on Shibata, that felt like he was going. Having seen it myself now, that felt mm-hmm. like he was going into business for himself. You know, saying that the next time he'll be in the ring, he'll be in his wrestling gear, or however it was translated no, you won't, mate. (laughs) Like, no, you won't. Because if you were, Mm. they wouldn't have blew your return pop on a five-minute exhibition match with Zack Sabre Jr. Mm. You know, uh, was completely unnotable other than the fact that Shibata was out there. That wouldn't have happened if there was if people are out there holding me and thinking, "Oh, this means maybe he'll get to wrestle again." To me, it meant the opposite. To me, it wasn't happy. It was a sad moment. It was this guy done. They're throwing him a bone and letting him go out there and have a like, grapple with Zack Saber Jr. But he's never really coming back,
1: and don't don't think he ever will. I think he is. Oh, God, I would happening. disagree. It's
0: not happening. Why would they do that? Why would why would they throw him out there for a match like this if he was coming back anytime soon?
1: personally because I just think they wanted to create some kind of a buzz and it was something they could do and it was relatively low risk because it was all grappling by the way did you enjoy it the five minutes? Not
0: really no no? It was (laughs) alright it was five minutes, what
1: can they do in five minutes it was fine, it was a grapple it was an exhibition Well, I suppose the thing I've had with Shibata right, is ever since the injury that Sakura Genesis match I've basically not been able to go back and watch Because for me, it spelled the end of a career of, at that point in time, one of my favourite wrestlers. Mm. And someone who's, like, the entire run to him getting a chance at the IWGP belt, and then it's just like, that fucking amazing match, and then you realise all the horrible things that had happened afterwards, and him getting rushed to hospital. So it always felt kind of tainted, whereas this was kind of nice for me. So like I did go along with the sentiment, I have to say like, you know, against my, against my better judgment. The reason I always thought he ended up in the States, because it was always very weird to me. I remember saying this again on the weekend show. Um, It always seemed very weird to me that someone who couldn't speak any English at all was effectively moving to LA. Yeah. And I'd often wondered if it was related to kind of various kind of stem cell treatment and other therapies he could have been getting in the US that he wouldn't have been able to get in Japan. And that's whether or not that's the same kind of thing that maybe would have sped up the idea of him being able to return back. And obviously, it's been reported, in no Voice of Wrestling a report, had reported it as well that, you know, he'd been itching to come back and they said no for a long time. I hate to say this. I think New Japan are going to look at this in terms of business and they're going to go, could we do with Katsuyori Shibata coming back at the top of the card? And there are so many risks with that. Like obviously it's the idea of is Shibata Shibata if he doesn't wrestle like Shibata. Yeah, Does that make any sense? Like that's, so if he tones down his style, like how's that going to work? Because the intensity and the viciousness and the sheer fucking stiffness is part of who he is and why he was fucking great, and the fact that a lot of his matches didn't go too long and take the piss—that was always kind of appreciated <laughs> as well. Especially the um, top of a New Japan card, yeah.
0: No, I, yeah, I'm with it in hoping for it. I just don't believe mm. it, but I, like I believe, like Ben said there in the chat, you know, I could see him doing more exhibition type things on big shows. That's what this was an indication of for me. I don't rule that out because we, you know, I was a little bit more hopeful, I suppose, when we talked about it on the weekend show, you know. Brian Danielson got cleared eventually, you know, not the same thing, but Edge was supposedly done because of his neck and time heals Mm. everything, doesn't it? You know, and he he saw the right specialists and he was fine. He could be seeing, you know, the right specialists in the US, but yeah, I don't know. Like Will said, we have been here before. New Japan season has returned Mm. and not following through. I couldn't believe it. Was it really 2017 when... when, um, well, yeah. when, he, when he first did that, oh, that's fucking insane. Like that's where those four years gone. Like, um, I I I don't even think they'll get that desperate. And I'm I don't really care about wrestler safety as much as you know. I might have uh, ruined that gimmick earlier. We're talking about Lance Archer. I I was a Brian Danielson truther. I hundred percent believe that that lad was absolutely fine. Um, or at least no, maybe not fine. Having seen him headbutt a ring post in front of my very eyes. As fine as any other wrestler, uh, especially yeah. wrestlers who've worked you ones and stuff. Shibata does just feel that level worse. You know the extreme nature with which they they pull, and yeah. the you know the, the 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 hard line they've taken about him never wrestling again. Something about it seems more legit to me, and yeah, you know maybe like Liam said, there maybe we'll see him on Triller doing uh, grappling tournaments. Maybe that's the. Uh <laughs> That's the future for Shabazz, and he's probably gonna lost as nice a moment this was, uh, you know. And it was
1: Shibata versus Nick Gage. Book it now, <laughs> maybe it's coming. The hawking out all the new Japan lads all over the place. Why not? It's, it's 2022. That's not out of the realms of possibility. Very true. Very true. Well, I mean, on the uh, on the G One note,
0: and you know, like I say, mm. normal years JPB two G One wrap up shows. You know, we do all kinds.
1: I do an intro.
0: Yeah, remember that. It's it's all not happening this year, but it is worth noting. You know, Garrett's not here, but that doesn't stop us uh, doing grapple ratings. Thanks to our friends uh, Ryugu mm-hmm. underscore Joe on Twitter. R Y U G U underscore Joe. Uh, <laughs> I like his full name Desby Van Humschmeck. I don't know what that means. Heemsch- uh, but uh he's uh he's put together um some uh, grapple ratings as far as like the uh the top 10 averages for each uh, individual wrestler i'm sure Gareth will follow up with a with a fancy graphic if he can be asked uh, considering this g1 this year but does it surprise you that top 10 jp just to run through it um top of the list as far as uh performances go okada on 3.808 zach sabre jr 3.79 right behind them shingo 3.74 ishi 3.71 Cobb, 3.56. Ibushi, 3.55, coming all the way in sixth. Uh, Seventh, Tanahashi, 3.522. Taichi, eighth in 3.46. Sanada, ninth in 3.3. And Yoshihashi, tenth in 3.3. With a shout-out to Goto Goto for a coming 11th with with an average uh, match of Mm 3.3 himself. Um, So, yeah, that top five, Okada, Zack, Shingo, Ishii, Cobb. Um, Yeah, anything stand out to you there as a... As interesting. All of the averages below four, but obviously in a, in a tournament like this where you know, there'll be a Yano match thrown in there and Ogarit does often like to take Yano out of yeah. the averages. There's always things to drag it
1: down, but it seems about appropriate for this tournament. It does, doesn't it? It feels like a kind of summation. What kind of a tournament was the wrestling at? Well, it was predominantly around the three and a half star range. And is that worth a while? So it's going to be, there's a lot of stuff that could be considered good, like if you consider 3 stars as the your you Know it's, it's not entirely mathematical, and you think, well, two and a half stars is the complete average. We like to think, as wrestling fans, of like the gentleman's three is entered very much into our lexicon. So, oh, we're full of three shit, and I a half.
0: Well, like, we're like movie but, right? critics, though. It's like, you yeah. know, there's a big difference between one stars and three stars, like that's that's a good no- number of numbers, but like we'll argue over three and a half to 3.75 to four. Yeah. We're not talking about much difference. Are we three and a half? a half's like, ah, I didn't like it. Four like, oh, I fucking loved it. Like, I think, well, that's just kind it's of it's the obvious.
1: fact that no one's reached four stars. Yeah. Which tells you two things. One, about the overall level of probably some of the bigger matches, but B, how weak some of these blocks were. Mm. The fact that Zach could start off as well as he did with the big matches he did, and then we didn't hear as much about him for a while. Why? Because he was wrestling with the dregs in that Mm. block, then at that point in time, and having to do some bullshit screwy finishes on some of these matches in order to rule people out because of the 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 booking that needs to be revised for how this tournament is done. I used to love it at a point in time. Now I despair at like the way that it's booked, but overall you look at the numbers, it's three and a half stars at best. And even if you're putting everyone into the mix if you, you know, this is where you'd want, you know, you look at Ishii and you think, well, 3.7 is a, is a good rating. It's like Ishii in previous years, we're talking 4.2, 4.3. That's a drop. I can't imagine anyone here of the top range wrestlers, got higher than what they got last year or certainly the year before that. And again, I know Gareth will will hopefully have some stats in relation to this, but you look at it and it, it just tells like average. Mm. If you didn't see this tournament, you'd be fine mm. going through it. Okada won. Um, and I imagine he's there because like, I don't know what the, main, what the main event for the G1 final is kind of averaging at because obviously, I mean, like I said, I thought it was a, a very good match up until that kind of injury. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking of it was like an all time classic or anything though, which again sums up, we're talking like some of the best matches of the year. And then sometimes some of the best matches of the decade happening in G1s. Mm. And you're not going to see any of that on no. this G131. It's probably best. We just put it in the rear view, rear view mirror and move on. Mm. Yeah.
0: Let's hope there's a, more interesting, you know, New Japan to come <laughs> than what we've had, you know, in this crack cloud era, in this G1 era, mm-hmm. in this, you know, a lot of talents, you know, a uh, suck abroad kind of era. Let's hope that, like, yeah, we're going to get something that's more akin to maybe what we expect from one. Not hopeful, but yeah, it's almost like this came up in the calendar and they had to do it. So they did it, and yeah. how it's done. And there were definitely people out there who were trying to convince themselves it was better than it was. And you know, maybe we were harsher points. You know, maybe maybe Tabataonga did have this great G one JP, although it's not particularly ref- referenced in that uh, that Grapple Top Ten there. But you know, maybe maybe it really happens. You know, <laughs> maybe you know Tai Chi's there are they're an eighth. You know, you can you can you can often surprise you. There's maybe some positive stories to to come out there. But all in all, it's just it's been clearly a down G1, down in like uh, grapple averages, down in overall interest. And it's almost been the perfect storm. A lot of us, you know, not just podcasters, but a lot of, you know, people in general have kind of been in a situation where our New Japan fandom has definitely gone down. You know, our our New Japan just Mm -hmm. love that we all had at one year was already, it's a bit like progress, you know? People think, you know, Speaking out and the pandemic and stuff killed off progress, and it was already kind of dead before that. <laughs> and I think with New Japan, all of our interest was already waning, and it's taken this tournament to kind of kind of kill us off. I mean, you know, just to, before yeah we wrap up on there. I mean, just to compare those points, you know, you mentioned there about Ishii on three points seven. You know, this year's an average. When uh, to has the guess of what his average was last year. No. Oof. Oh. what? Excluding Yano and Yujiro, this is four point one seven. So that's a swing. You know, coach and yeah, exactly. yeah. Shingo were both above the four star barrier. and um, just but above four stars. You know, Will Ospreay um, was almost at four stars as well. Remember when he was in G1s? Jay White had a at a higher average than the three point seven seven than everyone in this tournament except for O'Carder and Zach Sabre Jr. And he was fifth on the list. Like that is a clear difference, um, you know, in in standard, and you know, a lot of it is the clap cards and, and where we are in general. But you know, I'm, I'm looking at last year's listing, you know, three point six six for Tanahashi is uh, as tenth. You know, he he'd be in the top mm-hmm. half of this list this year. He'd be in the top five. Like that shows you that even statistically, there's a there's a there's a clear difference there.
1: Ah, uh, it, it, it. I'd also wonder though, how many of the same names that are appearing at the top of those, it's, it's the same names every year for the last mm. few years, isn't it? Pretty mm. much as well. Um, mm. Jesus Christ. But no, was I'm, I'm in not the top bes-
0: 10 last year as well.
1: Remember him? Um, yeah. Well, he's having a whale of a time in casinos in, in Las Vegas, wrestling, uh, impact world champion, Josh Alexander. Oh no, not quite. um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of these things where you could have had him in the tournament as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's such a damning indictment. I mean, I would also look in the attendances. I think it was like 3,800 mm-hmm. for that, for that, um, G one final as well. Interest isn't there. Like I get the optimism for when wrestlers can return. I, I, think they might well have burnt off a good few fans mm. over this last little while and yeah. it's important enough for them to be able to do it. What they what it is is not just a talent malaise and a talent refresh that's needed. I hate to say it, it's a creative refresh that's needed. And that's something that I don't think is happening. Because if you look at the way that we're booking towards Wrestle Kingdom, it's very much ghetto book booking as usual.
0: Who's the best booker of all time?
1: There's a question. Um, oh, God. Well, if you're talking your like about era. My favourite book? Well, weirdly, there's a point in time I would have said Ghetto on this new, like, if we're talking <laughs> sort of like 2014 to 2018, like New Japan, is just like a hell of old, even earlier than that, 2013, is a hell of a booking era for that. Could
0: could, um, could Peak P- Ghetto handle three Wrestle Kingdoms this year? And this fucking schedule, no, with this roster, I don't know. It's it's, it's soulscar, isn't it? It's it's United. It's you know you can take the you can sack the manager, but like you know it's the there the the, the are bigger fucked. issues. The structure's fucked, isn't it?
1: There's a there's an yeah. There. They need to really think about like in terms of what they're doing, and it, it, it's this idea of trying to get the seats up because they're well down. Wenger?
0: He's Wenger. It's absolutely what it is. Is there an Arteta we can bring in?
1: <laughs> well, let's not be slagging off Arteta because he used four four two on Friday and guess what? It fucking worked and it worked big time and I was loving every fucking minute of it. <laughs> Much like Liam in the chat would have been being Excited, a big said, yeah, fan. I was pump, having a great but... time,
0: having mm-hmm. to wander around that ground at the weekend, you know, thinking of you, and the, uh, the great weekend you had. Yeah, you see the statues? I did. Tony I did. Adams one. <laughs> so sort of a lot of uh, like um,
1: cannons about and stuff. It was nice.
0: Did you Arse- go to Arsenal the Pi-
1: Highbury corner? Have you got any, any of the pubs around there?
0: No, I walked, past that. I walked past a great shop where it was like Arsenal News agents. It's a bit like Round Good to somewhere. It's like, you know, nah. Blue News and... Guderson supper bar <laughs> everyone's just trying that
1: news agent's action. on the corner near the dixie dean statue yeah all of them yeah glassy <laughs> stuff i bet they've had some shoplifting in that shop over the years sorry i didn't mean to stereotype it, it's but probably i can true. just imagine yeah
0: <laughs> but yeah it is it's Venga. It, it, Like it's it, you know yeah. I don't want to get rid of him because he's been here that long he's the only one who knows he's the only yeah. one who knows these players JP he's the only one who knows this squad who knows know. who knows how to book this company you could possibly replace him and the thing is the other analogy is the business people behind you know New Japan mm. they don't really know wrestling so do they, do they even know alternatives could they even go oh this would be the guy or that would be oh, the guy they're they awesome,
1: aren't they <laughs> Oh, just it's really hit home it's like yep we're going through a period where we think we're going to take over we're doing really great everyone loves us but we don't ever quite take over and then we start to lose some of our best fucking players for signings you know always getting snapped up aren't I, by Real Madrid Barcelona WWE in this equation and then at the point where you think they might turn good fucking COVID happens fucks up like the players aren't there You know, you're looking at Evil, you're looking at what? Granite Xhaka for Patrick Vieira there, aren't you? At that (laughs) that point, it's just, it's depressing. Uh, It's how it is. However, if they do follow the Arsenal analogy, then there is the potential, if inconsistent, green shoots that could come out, Um, he says, based on a 3-1 victory over Aston Villa at home. And unfortunately... Tony Adams of New Japan. Oh, there's a question.
0: (laughs) Go on,
1: JP. Who is was it? Ah, oh, think of somebody who turned it around as well, because um, you you know you want to tie the alcoholism story into it. <laughs> Let me think on that. Save Solid, that for, for ask Go Rappel time. that one. Ah, oh, he's he's more he's, but you you want to think of the Flair version as well. There's a part of me thinks of KG Muto would have mm. really been perfect for that, but then you're getting into all Japan law, really. <laughs> Reinvented it was as a wrestler, the same way that Tony did when he gave up the booze and took up the poetry and uh oh. going out of caprice. Well
0: said there, AJ Styles is Robin Van Persie, <laughs> fucking off to United. <laughs> yeah.
1: Absolutely is, isn't it? Oh bollocks. Oh,
0: bollocks. You're you're forever destined to repeat it's like you're like a uh, you're talking about alcoholism, it's like a coping yeah. strategy, mate. You're always uh, falling into the, the same. Old- now we're asking for Paul Mason in New Japan. I don't know. I think it was someone retired. Lager. I
1: don't know. Oh, God. Yeah, Homer? well, I mean, somebody needs to fill me up on who the, the alcoholic gambling addicts were at that point in time in, in New <laughs> Japan. I suspect there's a few lads who like to bet. I don't know about the alcoholism stuff. I
0: bet you know, all kinds goes on uh, backstage there. Uh, oh, yeah. Unfortunately as well for uh, the Stardom girls, I think they'll be Arsenal women. Although, you know, I think at the top of the league aren't the JP. So
1: Yeah. Uh, at least there's a... Uh, there you go. There's Constantly stardom. brilliant. Don't get the same recognition or any of the the attraction that the men get. It is. They're fucking, <laughs> <Their> fucking Arsenal. They're fucking Arsenal. Oh, this Shit. was worth oh, hey. it. was. To reach this conclusion. You're not getting this anywhere else, are you? <laughs> Well, moving on from uh from, from New Japan. New Japan New Japan. Well, we'll come up with a title. We'll come
0: up. Oh didn't we do an Arsenal awesome, awesome get ghetto one at some point? Venga We did do,
1: yeah. Ghetto Venga.
0: <laughs> ghetto Venga. Ghetto Venga party. It's back. Um so yeah, uh, I suppose uh, moving on from there, unless you got anything else, in New Japan. Like I say, three nights of Raster Kingdom. Yeah. I might watch Great. it unbelievable i'm saying mm. that but there you go i don't think i'm gonna most years jp this is where we slide out in new japan i'm not gonna even look at a card until wrestle kingdom weekend i don't think no. maybe if there's the open I- turn up for tag league i'll be I'll be slightly interested
1: i was gonna say that mm-hmm. if there was any if there's it depends if they're able to bring in imports if they're not bringing any imports then absolutely not unless they go wild and bring in a load of freelancers and people from other companies where they might add a bit of interest. If they're not doing that. If it's the same rosters for these, I don't want to know. Mm.
0: No, I don't We'll move on from New Japan to, uh, Writer companies, um, uh, GCW. <laughs> Can't believe Gareth has uh, has, has missed this uh, bit of bloodsport action. Bit of a uh, bit of Gage Suzuki to talk about as well. Um, a Gareth dream match if there, are, there ever was one. Yeah, bloodsport. Uh, I didn't get the chance to watch it live. And we were saying in the pre-show, JP, it is mm. it's a live experience. Bloodsport. I think you yeah. get swept up in it. You know, bad dude Tito comes out, and uh, what's his name in the mask? Um, what's his name? He was missing this time out.
1: Oh, Super Beast! Super Beast, yeah, we're
0: well, Super Beast, you know. With, with, this this card needed a, a Super Beast, or two. Have to
1: stalk him on Facebook again, find out what he's doing in yeah, real see, life,
0: see what he's up to. Yeah, he's he's on he's on Dynamite as Brian Cage. No, he's not really. Um, but you know, there's a there's a charm I think to to Bloodsport. It's not very GCW, you know. The fact I enjoyed mm-hmm. this time out, you know, it's it's a whole Josh Barnett brand who, again. Is not a man who you would associate uh, with GCW one bit. Um, uh, and by the way, yeah, Ben's put in the chat, Super Beast. There, I feel bad now. I hope Super Beast doesn't come hunting for me for forgetting his name. Uh, but... possible title of Trust the Puro. <laughs> That's uh. a good one. That's a good message too. I like that. Um, but yeah, I think you know GCW offering bloodsport. It's it's always. you you look at the grapple ratings, and Mm -hmm. based on on pure grapple ratings, is it worth watching? Because there's a lot of three stars, isn't it? It's a lot of, you know, two and a half to three and a half is kind of the range for these types of matches, because... The grappling exhibitions—they are zacchabidu mm-hmm. and shibata. That that's what they are. But I think the fact that it is something a bit different on the calendar, like I say, you watch it live, you kind of get swept up in some of the the wackier moments. And then you know there'll be matches on the undercards of these shows that you know will surprise you. Somebody will pull up, pull up some kind of cool counter, or somebody somebody will steal the show. Um, but yeah, this one I I watched uh, after the fact, uh, finished it today, and I still had a had a good time watching it. Um, still thought there was a, you know maybe. As you've uh, said a couple of times, JP, may be a bit too much on this show. As far as you know, mm-hmm. they're not doing a tournament, or so they really need to do this many exhibition matches. It, you know, the three hours is a bit of a drag for blood sports. I think two hours is your is your upper limit uh, in these types of shows. You know, I think there's been ambitions we've been at that haven't gone longer than ninety minutes. I think that's that's all you want for uh, for this style. But yeah, did you uh, watch the whole thing, JP? Did it uh, hold up for uh, for you as far as these shows go?
1: I didn't watch the whole thing. So I started watching basically from Clark Connors, Royce Isaacs. Mm. Um, so, and, and there was a couple of matches. I think the, I didn't, you know, Eric Hammer versus bad news, uh, bad news, Tito. It's a bad dude, Tito. Bad dude, Tito. Sorry. Bad dude, Tito. Like, uh, like matches like that. Well, they weren't, they weren't very long, but I kind of, I did end up skipping through them a little bit for shame, mm. but I enjoyed mm. what I saw. Um, I didn't think a lot of it overstayed its welcome. I'd argue possibly some of the Josh Barnett match did. Um, but like you say, it, it's Barnett, different. Josh Barnett, welcome, but carry on. <laughs> uh, Yes, yeah. But I, like, I preferred this setting. Obviously, the last time we were kind of focusing on the Bloodsport shows, they were very much, the aesthetic was... Like this underground kind of warehouse, which was near where New Japan was being filmed. Mm. So they had it being dark and moody and all the rest of it. It's when they ended up using Super Beast. Now they're kind of back to what it felt like at the very beginning because, like, this venue, by the way, and they used it all weekend, the Ukrainian Cultural Center kind of looks great, like mm. as a big hall that they're fitting people into. And it seems to be having a great time. So I like the aesthetic of it. I thought it was, it was really good and like you say there's a lot of stuff in there where it is effectively grappling exhibitions and i think there's a there's a limit to how these go unless you've got two big personalities in the main event that we've seen previously hmm. like where you'd see stuff and you think well that's fucking great Is it's like josh barnett versus minora suzuki and they're slapping shit out of each other or suzuki yeah. versus um john moxley that all those kind of stuff in the main event so it has its kind of formula to it what I would say is I thought the crowd kind of lifted some stuff up mm. and the best stuff happens in the second half of the show yeah. for me. I think um, I think it's mm. – sorry. I think an enthusiastic
0: crowd helps these shows, you know, like yeah. treating it like it's real and when there's a big knockout, you know, they get excited. you know what they're looking at. I think that's the difference, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. the WrestleMania weekend crowds for these blood sport shows don't always work and, you know, unless it's, you know, somebody out there, you know, throwing – Big bombs, you know, like Calvin Tankman or somebody. You don't really get much of a crowd reaction. I'd agree with that. I felt like this crowd felt like a crowd that you were watching. Like I think the crowd helped. I think Rocky Romero on commentary um, was oh. really good as well. As far as it feels like, I mean, and Lenny yeah, Leonard, yeah, uh, made
1: up that he it was, should be employed. Yes, all the time. He
0: seems to be doing all the GCW stuff now in, between him and yeah. um You know, less said about the the other bloke the better when it comes to gcw commentary Mm. But you know respect for you know stepping aside and letting a couple that was what i was going to say at the top sorry yeah that you know they had the rather than using you know the usual doing the usual gcw casual announce style you know we had the legit who was the announcer it was um was it somebody from mma or something
1: oh the guy in the ring Mm. the ring announcer i don't know i imagine he'd have some sort of relationship with barnet maybe does some sort of californian mma stuff as well but yeah it did feel different didn't it
0: yeah and and i like that and like i say having rocky on commentary feels often like a bargain feels like you know you want to book that you want to book some new japan usa guys do you well you better book me you know and that's how it ends up with rocky versus chavo on the the mania weekend show um but you know it's good that he's that he's around um and it's good it's good you know he, he definitely offered some perspective and some background on a lot of the the guys here, so I think they nailed the presentation this time out I mm. think uh, they re- they really did get it right um I mean as far as like matches go, I mean you mentioned the second half was probably the strongest I'd say from the first half the the stuff to uh to keep an eye out for uh starboy Charlie and uh yoya um I don't know if you saw the the finish mm. to that that was really really creative. I really enjoyed that one. they kind of had like a Gareth mentioned Yoya before didn't he mm. he was up against Leo rush. That's right. I yeah. remember that. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, you know, there was a there were counter to uh, I think oh, I think it was yeah, it was Starboy Charlie trying to trying to get a, a takedown and a Yulia Clausen with a spin kick. It was awesome, it looked great, you know. It was a bit pro wrestling, but it worked perfectly, you know, for for what you want um in these types of matches. So I did really, really enjoy that. Badu Tito and Eric Hammer, you know, was kind of you know big lads throwing bombs, mm. um, you know, in points, maybe I'll stay this welcome a bit. What I really thought was the highlight of, you know, the first few matches, and I don't know if you've got any others you want to point out, JP, but uh, Marina Shafir, uh, yeah. that, that was, that you know, Marina Shafir, as you would probably guess with her background, was going to fit in perfectly here, and fucking hell did she, you know, she's obviously had a uh, bit of a cursed history in pro wrestling as far as trying to get going, you know, and being within the uh, the WWE system and it not really working out for her. But, you know, for whatever reason, that didn't really work out. This was right up her, you know, her comfort zone. It's like, I can imagine just explaining to her, yeah. So basically, it's MMA, but it's a work. And you could tell she was loving it and she was throwing in little transitions yes. and, you know, control of the fights that felt like it was a real fight that you maybe don't see in some of the, the lesser... That Experienced people,
1: like when she put in, like kind of leg or knee across her belly in order to keep her down while she's working. The ho- I remember exactly. noticing that. That looks fucking great.
0: Exactly that, you know. And did he put some? pro wrestling bits in there i think there was a, a northern lights in there from uh from a in there and there was you know there was a fact there was a very pro wrestling moment where they managed to you know we all make fun of that wxw show with a kid doing the spanish fly you know they managed to work in a dive into this match and i yeah. know that sounds ridiculous but it was so well done you know they ended up on the floor through legitimate reason i think they were grappling or whatever and then yeah where she she went up onto the apron it hit like a flip dive and it wasn't like she hit the ropes not that there are ropes or you know what I mean or like needed a big run up or treated it like it was like supposed to like you know be a really exciting dive it was like going for as much impact as she could with the flip dive think when you know when, when Liger used to used to do it off the apron it was kind of like that and you know they didn't oversell it or treat it too pro wrestlingly and to me it worked uh and you know you you Mm -hmm. threw a few wrestling things in there as well as some very real looking um transitions you know with the the knee bar in there and you know a lot more you know mma MMA style stuff even down to like the strikes where marina shafir like literally looked like she was trying to punch uh mashus head off um I think she caught her with a couple of live rounds, to be honest, in there. It was, to me, might even be the highlight of the night. Uh, I've gone three and a half on it, but the more I talk about it, the more I think maybe it's more of a 3.75. and Maybe that speaks to the ceiling of these types of matches mm-hmm. that I'm not, you know, I'm saying I loved it and I'm not even considering going past four, but there was a lot of love in this one. And yeah, it was a real highlight of the night for me.
1: Yeah, I went three and a half. Mm-hmm. I think I was sold on the fact she came out to Je Ne Regret which I hadn't expected like someone to come out to during this, which I I thought, you know, that song, obviously Inception, Mm. but it's more famous for Edith Piaf. So that was just kind of great. great. Um, But she did as good a job of merging pro wrestling and MMA as I've seen from most people who are kind of new to this. There was just an intensity and it's the fact that she is shredded to fuck. She just appears to have just been absolutely working out like a, like a, beast and has got herself into this ridiculous shape where you look at her and go she's a really striking presence whereas I remember seeing her in MMA and she wasn't great um Liam and Willie know more about this so having a pop at her and the chat chat live at live as we speak um <laughs> but but like here she felt really fresh mm-hmm. and she felt very new and she felt very motivated mm-hmm. as well and it made you think She's somebody interesting to keep an eye on. Does she carry this on? Does she only turn up for blood sports? Is she looking to get into pro wrestling again? Because I think, obviously, MMA, her time, I'd imagine, has passed on that front. So Mm. if she's going to give this a go, is this really the time for her to do it? But, um, yeah, I just thought she really stood out. It was just even the way she was doing those, like, kind of open-hand strikes. Like, she was just, just the utter... And it sounds a weird thing to explain. Sometimes and we'd see it with like Josh Barnett and Tiger Huas. They're not t- like they're not tight at all or there isn't any tension in their arms. Whereas every time she was wrestling it was like every muscle in her body was kind of engaged to the point where so it looked really intense. And I think that sometimes when they're not doing that on these blood sports shows, it kind of just falls into grapple fuck territory. Mm. But yeah, you know, again, I didn't go bonkers. I went three and a half stars, but it's three and a half stars for a match that's what, probably six minutes? Mm.
0: Yeah, that's it. And, and it encompassed a lot, you know, within it. So yeah, yeah, feel, feels like the most noteworthy thing. I mean, so as the big matches go, what did you see, JP? Um,
1: so I saw. Uh, Go from here, uh, Tom Lawler, Alex Cocklin, which <laughs> I enjoyed dressing up like, exactly like Alex like,
0: I know I give him good grief for the Daisy Dukes, but I thought that was fun.
1: That was fun. That was like UFC Tom Lawler. What was the song he came out to as well? Because he oh, appeared to be going. It. No, neither did I. I mean, it was it was quite funny because he was like he's having a load of fun on the outside, and then when they got in the ring, he kind of had this very intense grappling match. But I thought, just thought there were some really great spots in this, mm. which kind of were very, very much that. Follow the formula of Tom Lawler puts on a, what looks like a quite debilitating submission hold. And then Alex Coughlin just completely powers out of it and will deliver in like a back suplex or or a fallaway slam. And I thought it was really great. And mm. Alex Coughlin has a load of charisma for mm. me. Um, he really has something. Like we always speak about all the young lines. I like Clark Connors. And Ryan Fred, uh, Ryan Fredericks isn't, it's what's his name? Um, Carl Fredericks, Ryan Fredericks, I think plays for West Ham. I could be wrong. (laughs) Is he, is he not one of their cheap left backs? He may not be getting in the team. 3.9
0: million million in, uh, in FPL. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So sounds about right. So yeah, if it honestly to God, um, yeah, I've lost my train of thought with that. Now, oh, no, in terms of this match, I thought Tom Lawler is... We speak about how good Marina Shafir is. He is the best exponent of this style. Mm. He's someone who completely understands how to work MMA into the in, into wrestling and get that. And obviously, there's a lot of talk. He's leaving MLW. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot like, of talk, mate. Yeah, Lots of talk. Lot from of, <laughs> <power>. Yeah, <laughs> well, I would hope it's New Japan. Mm that would be the one for me. I think that would be the perfect place for him to go to. And if he's going to get two, three good years out of them, then that would be tremendous. But yeah, yeah. all that really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, yeah. Of the, of the other stuff, I think that's worth a mention. I've got to mention this one. Cause I think this might be my match tonight. It's was Davey Richards versus Yuyi Yamura, mm. um, which I thought was kind of fucking great, particularly because of Yui Yamura, who the crowd really took to, and was kind of fighting back up while Davey Richards appeared to be entirely... It's like he'd he been waiting for blood sport to exist um, <laughs> his entire life throughout his career. And here it is when he comes back from retirement. Hey, he looks good. He looked really good. He did look really good in this. And, you know, breaking down Yamura's knees and... There was a great point when Yamura just played possum to mm. kick Davy Richards kind of out of the ring. It was fucking tremendous mm. for it. Um, yeah, I like. I really enjoyed that match. From it, I think I went three point seven five uh, for that one.
0: Yeah, um, I gave that one. I went yeah three and a half on that one. Yeah, sure. You you know, it felt like a bit of a you know coming mm. out party for uh, Yamura, and I did think that Davy Richards. This is him. This is exactly, you know, dumb jock, you know, mm. MMA-inspired pro wrestler that he's, that he's always been. This is exactly, you know, what he would have loved to have been doing all over the years, mm. you know, pretending like he's a he's a real MMA fighter without having to, uh, to take any of the hits.
1: There is a place for those guys. Mm. I, I mean, it's out in the indies, which is where he is, mm. and that's fine. I'm kind of perfectly fine if it means... Because the things you hear with him is he's on all of IWTV, seems to be having good matches most weekends with younger wrestlers, seems to be getting something from it. Mm. Uh, So, you know, whatever personal stories about him, be damned in many ways. It's just like, well, it seems to be serving its purpose for what it is because, you know, he's not taking himself as seriously as someone to think I should be world champion at the same time. He's just like a kind of guy who's... Doing this on weekends now, mm. and he's kind of getting back into it, and finding some younger wrestlers he can work with. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it, and 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 he's needed, I think. You know, for the yeah. scene as it is, I think he's he's a little bit of not he's like a headliner or whatever, but he near to that and you know he's got a bit of credibility through the years and you know the mileage somebody in his position might have on the bodies isn't there either you know because of the fact mm. that he's you know been fresh for the last um, few years so yeah hopefully hopefully we see more of him on particularly gcw shows i think he could really uh really offer something to them as kind of the uh the lead us indie right now um what do you think of uh of josh barnett and uh there's a tiger who has, uh, uh, yeah. this felt like a big josh barnett wank to be honest you know uh, a tribute to know. whoever roberto Lito senior is uh, don't really care came out there in a gi and they had a bit of a bit of a bit of a wrestle like just when it's name being attached to this gives it credibility and allows you know mm-hmm. them to maybe reach out to some names you might not do this otherwise thinking of Minoru suzuki and thinking of other people like that his matches are always so fucking boring on these things when he's not in there with Suzuki though like I couldn't I couldn't have cared less about this one.
1: He's not charismatic mm. at this so unless he's got someone like a Moxley mm. or a Suzuki in there it's mm. not really going to work. Mm. That's that's the issue with it. Mm. I was bored by this. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, it was one of these ones I was trying to rush it in, it was mm. like the last show I'd watched before we started recording I was bored during it and it also I, the thing I brought up earlier on where a lot of Who Is his groundwork, you just mm. thought Josh Barnett would be getting out of that in a heartbeat it doesn't look remotely tight and so I was just waiting for Josh Barnett to win Yeah, because it seemed like the obvious result and it just because it was the semi-main they dragged it out for a bit longer than the other matches and I think it really they missed a trick for doing that
0: agreed uh, it wasn't really the i'm glad at least it wasn't the uh the main you know, event like
1: two and a half or
0: something like that i think yeah i'd, I'd go that at an absolute limit uh main event was a bit good though I mino mean, suzuki and chris mm. dickinson i mainly appreciate the fact that suzuki tried to drag chris dickinson into the crowd and do the suzuki tropes and dicko was like no nope get back in the ring and it was dead awkward because you could tell suzuki legitimately wanted them to follow him out there and just nope I'll wait for you, mate. And then he got back in the ring, and he got on his all fours, and he forced him to wrestle him. And I think Minoru Suzuki yeah. maybe at that moment realized he was in with somebody who can, you know, go to a point. Um, I thought they had a you know a fun main event for the style. I do think you know when Suzuki gets in this, in this setting, I mean, I suppose it's right. He doesn't really change anything about how he works his matches. Um, He just goes out there and has a Minoru Suzuki match because, you know, it's supposed to be shoot-style, and in his mind, he is a shoot-style wrestler. So this is what you get. So it was maybe a little bit more pro-wrestling than uh, some of the matches here. But, yeah, I thought Dickinson hung in there well. Um, I'm talking on Dickinson. I do like him. You know, I I talked earlier about I like wrestlers who take Mm. themselves seriously. You know he takes himself seriously. You know he was gutted. That Suzuki didn't give him respect at the end. He was just standing there in the ring waiting for a fist bump or a nod. Didn't get either. You know he was probably desperate to cut one of his. You know, speaking of Davey Richards, mid two thousands, end of the show indie promos that uh, that Dickinson loves to cut. You know, you know, I love this business. Blah 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 blah. All of that stuff. Um, yeah. that, that's all he wanted. Um, that's what he's there for. But uh, you know, jokes aside, I thought he hung in there well, and it was uh, yeah, a decent little match. Maybe maybe got three and a half on it.
1: Yeah, three and a half. Um, like, I enjoyed the disrespecting of Minoru Suki, particularly when he sat down in the audience next to the woman and gives her like a high five and then it's mm. just like screaming at him to get back in and then dropping down. Again, though, the result really wasn't in doubt. Mm. Um, and, quite often it ends up with Dickinson as being the high profile person who loses these matches Mm. to like, whether it be a Moxley or a Suzuki or for like the big name who comes in and it's like, I need to wrestle someone who's kind of credible at doing this, who's a big enough indie star, but also will, will um, lose as well. Dickinson's a funny one to know what's happening with him. And again, this gets into the whole idea of contracts and when they're expiring and all the rest of it, because again, as the person who kind of wasn't signed, through the spate of indie signings that were going around, he's kind of found himself in quite a a decent position. But you've always got the impression that he wants to be in New Japan. That's mm. where he wants to be. He speaks so much about like his idol being Keiji Muto, and mm. like that's what he where he wants to be. I think at this point he's he he should be in there. Mm. Now, if it were me, I'd be bringing him in the tag team. Personally, that's yeah. that's like I, I I think as a single star, I'm not convinced like you know don't get me wrong he can have good three and a half star matches with good wrestlers but there's a lot of times we've seen GCW shows and he's been on and it's just like it was a match mm. wasn't that great yeah he's doing the intense stuff but really he doesn't like hold up after 25 minutes so I think a tag team mm. that would be like the the way that I would see it but I think there's definitely a place for him
0: mm. yeah he could offer something especially he's a bigger guy as well yeah. you know I can see like, like yeah. you know, kind of working for him um, within there but wasn't the most notable Minoru Suzuki match of uh, the GCW weekend. Did you manage to catch any of a uh, war ready the, uh, the night after? Yeah. Gage Suzuki. I mean, you know, I've said before, is Nick Gage an entrance? Yeah, is the dirty secret. Got a great Suzuki entrance. Got a great Gage entrance. And then in the famous words of Bruce Pritchard, the bell rang. <laughs> yep. I don't know what anyone could have possibly expected, but it, it was what you'd expect, you know. But they did what i will say is the crowd weren't as lively for as i thought they would be they were lively for the entrances and then when they were when they were doing the brawling in the crowd like which is really all you could do with these two it wasn't like you know suzuki was going to be taking you know light tube bumps and it wasn't like gauge was going to be on the on the floor grappling with suzuki the best happy medium you could hope for for the high end of either of their matches you know depending on how high end you think gauge matches can get was the brawling and the crowd weren't really that into it. It didn't feel like when they were brawling out the crowd. I mean, it was the fact that they couldn't really see much because even the commentators couldn't see much. And then they got in the ring, and you know there were a couple of awkward ex- exchanges as they tried to have something resembling a professional wrestler match. I definitely got some some joy out of you know Suzuki's reactions to Gage and mm. you know being dragged into hitting the uh, the Gotch power driver uh, through the table for the finish, and maybe dragged a little <laughs> bit into Gage's style match, but you know I, I don't i didn't expect this to be good and it wasn't uh you know i give it a generous three stars maybe 3.25 it's, yeah. it's not quite on the it's not on the grapple app yet but i don't imagine the average is going to be much higher than that um yeah it was a i suppose it was a spectacle it was about the entrances it was about the, about the fact yeah. that nick gage was wrestling minora suzuki and uh and maybe not much else
1: yeah if you're going into this expecting this to be some sort of classic like it was never going to happen mm-hmm. it was always going to be limited i when watching it i was like okay what are they going to be doing here how are they going to do it and very quickly when they went to the outside i was like oh here they are and don't get me wrong it fucking dragged when they were on the outside it really that kind did. of really did drag and i was like oh christ above but ultimately will it have delivered pe- people what they wanted from it mm. you know Someone who was there, doing Vader versus Osprey. Mm. Was it a great match? Fuck no. Mm. Did it deliver kind of what I wanted from it? Yeah, in some ways it really did. And this is what it did. You know, you got a Nick Gage style spot with the table and him taking the Gotch style pile driver, which is, you know, Suzuki won't have done that. Mm. Really will he? Not many times in his career. So there's a novelty of that. You had the entrances, you had the introductions, you had the you have the whole big Nick Gage go home speech as well that they do. So in a sense, it delivered all of it hit all of the notes that that was going to do, mm. without leaving anyone I think disappointed in it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way of putting it. That's what it was. It was a bit of a a greatest hits i suppose um is what i'd yeah. say like more than anything it was you know that's all it all it really was um that's all i think really that's really what really people was. wanted
1: mm. yeah that's that's all and that's all kind of all it needs to be i was a little bit terrified Gage of the weekend off the light tubes benno come on well, it's not yeah. all bad he he had a weekend off those for once <laughs> not pissing blood on a it fucking it just
0: worries Sunday me that usually. if it felt like they were trying to um sell us on a on a rematch we don't need a rematch it was one and done. That's all we needed. No. One and done, and that's it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure... It, no one I, needs to see that again. Look, I'm sure it sold some tickets. And at the end of the day, you know, I suppose that's uh, that's what matters. And unfortunately, Fight cut the feed before we got the, uh, the Gage uh, promo at the end, but... You know, he, he got his uh, little mm. moment, even though he he lost as well. But the, I suppose he had as well. He did get his visual pin too, so I suppose they did try and protect yeah. him, um, which was surprising. Maybe that was a an agreement they came with. Not that Suzuki's been unwilling to lose, I suppose, in this run. Although his losses have come in AEW and not on the Indies.
1: Um, but I, I bet you that was probably a, a conversation they had at some point. Oh, they will have done, and mm. it it would have worked out. Mm. Like I think I just think overall they'll be happy between them. Mm-hmm. they got around the limitations. And I think the fans kind of got what they would have wanted. If you were there in the Ukrainian cultural center, then you'd have been absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, Very Apart good. from the owners of the cultural center, who probably will get several points as per usual, or they're going to trash the place this weekend. <laughs> so. uh,
0: did you have any thoughts on anything else on the show? Did you watch anything else on the show? I mean, speaking of wrecking the place, oh. Briscoe Brothers and Second Gear crew kind of uh did some damage. Uh, I
1: enjoyed that. Good
0: mm-hmm. scrap, was crap, wasn't it?
1: Good scrap just a load of bullshit. But what I really enjoyed was the Briscoes in this environment. Mm. I thought this is them. Yeah. They could really go buck wild here. Mm. Like if you gave them like a promo as, as well, I think they could have a lot of fun here as well. So I thought it was quite good. Mm. Um, it was what I expected as soon as they got all the, the chairs in and, and the rest of it. But I thought for the most part, it was fun. Mm. Like I enjoyed it. Like when it goes up, I'll be giving it three and a half. Yeah. So I would say to Same. people like, yeah, maybe three point seven five, just because they use Leonard Skinner again. Um, great. Yeah, they did. Great. Yeah, my phone picked up on that as well. Like, it came up with the song. Did it? It's like, but it's it's yeah, like, auto shazams. <laughs>
0: but it's like it's like they haven't existed the briscoes for so long because they've been in mm. this version of roh which is so forgettable um like and so kind of like you know apparently jay briscoe is a multiple time roh champion okay um, but like i kind of yeah this felt a bit more like yeah what the like you said what the, the prime briscoes uh should be doing i like seeing them outside of uh, the ring of honor System, so let's hope we see uh, a bit more of it. Um, The only other thing I saw from the show, I did watch um, Alex Zane and Jonathan Gresham just because that intrigued me as like a clash of styles kind of match and you know there was a little bit of Alex Zayn flying but like surprisingly yeah he kind of won by uh, by wrapping up uh Gresham and you know they were exchanging a lot of pinfalls and he kind of uh, grabbed one from Gresham and he kind of showed that side of uh of Zayn a, a little bit more but I thought that was a a fun little uh, probably would go higher than three and a half but a, a fun little uh, match on the yeah.
1: undercard There got to note down the same thing on here I thought it was it was funny it wasn't too long it was like an easy ten minutes, mm-hmm. like really, if that. And I thought it was some good, good grappling with the the shock victory as well worked out. I don't think Gresham loses too much on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, looking at that, I, I thought from what I saw of this GCW show, like, and it had a hot crowd delivered what he wanted to. I think I saw bits of Ninja Mac versus um, Aries as great well. Ninja Mac, that, he?
0: <laughs> what a laugh! He's not a real thing.
1: It's well, now he's lost the mask. I suspect he's not going to be Ninja Mac for much longer because mm. you know he's going to be he's going to be breaking out of that now, Benno. Cause that, that was a weird old spot, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't a weird spot, it but was he was talking about. about leaving wrestling,
0: um, on Twitter, so I don't know how much to read into that, like whether mm. like he's on his way out anyway, and that's why they're doing it, but. Yeah, bit odd, but he's uh he's definitely entertaining, if not like, you know, scientifically there. He, he does a lot of flips and the flips are fun.
1: Uh, also I'd be, I'd be remiss to mention the fact that it was uh, Psycho Clown versus Effie, which I did watch. <laughs> I missed some
0: that. Of was it exactly as it sounds Effie on paper? Shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. And Effie wins. Like, yeah. which is even more stunning for that. But the crowd were well he pulled um Psycho Clown's mask off and then sort of rolled him up. Um, but he was great in the building. Seco mm. C- clown, I should say. Mm. And he was getting a really good response. And I think he's another lad who's realising, yeah, I, w- I need to be getting myself into the US more if I can do this. Because he's legit a big star in Mexico. I don't quite get why. But then I don't Live and Breathe Lucha. So other people who do would, would understand that as well. So seeing him lose to Effie and you're going, huh, this is like normally the big, Guy and like the featured matches, isn't he, Benno? Whenever you're watching AAA, it's like it's all about it's him. And I don't know if you ever over, feel, yeah. yeah, you just go, he's over. I I don't quite get it. Other than the mask, mm. that mask really fucking work Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but
0: still, yeah. it's a cool thing that you know, Jesus again can can pull out as, as far it. as doing something interesting. You know, it's the type of thing that you'd like to to see more of in indie, like the style. We're not you can't obviously, you know. Red Pro aren't bringing in Triple A guys, but you know it's the type of thing when we saw a bar that you know you bring in something a bit different. You might uh, sell a few more tickets, and you know it adds a bit of a variety to what were some very samey looking GCW shows over the summer. So yeah, another uh, another good move, I think.
1: Yeah, and if the, and if they can do that more, then then that'd be great. Definitely. Um, well, moving on, and you know we said the G
0: one was um uh, was buried down the line of GP. It was. uh Impact Wrestling's oh. biggest show of the, uh, <laughs> the year, yeah, um, oh, over this weekend. Apparently, that there's been a lot of talk about that with AEW. Should AEW have like a, a WrestleMania equivalent
1: show? And as he moves know, over uh, to the back door,
0: yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether <laughs> video viewers know what Jamie's talking about. Um, I just don't know whether you know. Impact is probably a, a good story there to, to 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 warn off tony khan from trying to create this WrestleMania equivalent show let's just leave it as there's four pay-per-views that are all big that's it because you know no one believes bound for glory is the you know one of the biggest shows of the year but they tried their best i said to you jp before we started should i mm. should i watch um me some dark side of the ring or should i watch bound for glory and you you lent, lent towards bound for glory in the end i managed to fit in the main matches of bound for glory and uh and dark side of the ring too and i I'm moderately glad um I did. So yeah, I saw the uh, the two big uh, title matches from this. Is is that all you saw, JP, or did you watch the whole thing?
1: Oh no, I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I saw well, not the not the pre-show matches, mm-hmm. which was the digital media championship and the knockouts tag team titles. I didn't see it. Other than the iconics under the name the e Inspiration one. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, didn't miss anything on that. But, <laughs> yeah, you might as well start off with that main event, Benno. Oh, mate,
0: TNA's got a TNA, hasn't it? You know, bound for glory is still. It's it's an onerous TNA. Come on, my it,
1: notes
0: We fucking... You know, we how long have we been beating, you know, this Josh Alexander drum? Like, you've got no one else, lads. Just go with him. And, you know, the backdrop to this, and maybe, you know, we, we'll get more colour on it going forward, is during the day it did seem to break that the, the AEW impact relationship looks like it's wrapping up, if you want any proof of that, you know. Anderson and Gallows have pretty much disappeared from uh, from AEW TV. Um and, you know, in this main event, Christian lost the title, so you're like, cool, they gotta take the belt off the AEW guy. And we had like a, you know, a summer of Kenny as champion, we had Christian as champion, and it, it's all elevated the, you know, impact in general, so you can accept the fact that an outside guy was champion and, you know, there was that criticism of, you know, well, what does this do to put over the next generation? Even we were like, well, you know, if Josh Alexander beats Kenny or Josh Alexander beats Christian, then great for him. So they did it. And they had an all-time bad striker call in the background who was going on and on about how he was legitimately in emotional and t- faking tears. It was dead, because he was talking about Josh Alexander's son like he was watching on TV at home. Then Josh Alexander's son got in the ring, so that broke him even more. And then I did get a bit of a kick out of the fact that, you know, Josh Alexander's hugging his wife and son. So you're pretty much like, okay, well, this is the end of the pay-per-view. Nope. Out comes Moose with whatever the TNA equivalent, the impact equivalent of, just say TNA, TNA equivalent of the the Money in the Bound briefcase is. And in front of his wife and child, spears him. And pins Josh Alexander, and like there's even a point where his wife and child are trying to control Josh Alexander, and Moose is standing on top of them all, like just for uh, that extra bit of heat. Like, I kind of got a kick. And I, I, I'll be honest, I laughed out loud yeah. at, at that stuff with the family. But I don't I really did. understand what they're achieving here. Like, I, 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 maybe they think Josh Alexander isn't ready yet, and they want to have him have a chase, and you know, there's a logic maybe to. You know, this is, you know, prime Gaido. How many times did he give like the little win? You know, the the world title win, but it wasn't the main event crown and title win. It like established the person, whether it be Naito, Okada, or in later years, uh, Evil. And then later on, they're gonna get their proper win when they're a proper main eventer. Maybe that's what they were trying to do here, but. I don't know. It feels like you end your show with a happy ending of path for Glory. And it feels like, you know, Josh Alexander's story is a great one to tell. And it feels like that's the perfect end to, to Kenny and Christian and all the AEW involvement. But I don't know. It feels like they maybe overcomplicated things a little bit here, JP.
1: Which is the most TNA thing in the world to do, is yeah. to overcomplicate the situation, which is exactly what they did here. And they've done this before where they often get an idea in their head going, oh, that'd be really cool for heat. And there is things about the contracts of Josh Alexander's contract, maybe coming up at the end of the year, in which case, why'd you bother with the whole title push in the first place? If He's going to be leaving and you're putting the belt on him. Then why not do it a few months earlier? You know, just, just saying, but you know, they had to get to this place. They're not in a position where they can, Suddenly, go no. You know we're going to have the big Josh Alexander chase now. Because mm. really, what he should have been doing is wrestling Minoru Suzuki, defending his title on the first night on TV to establish him as a fucking winning that match and establishing him as a as a big deal. Mm. But yeah, I I laughed at the visual. Don't get me wrong, the visual is funny. fucking. It is funny. Mm. Like I've got that down on here, but it's just they can't resist just putting someone a new star over clean at the end of the pay-per-view and then that is it have that person win matches as a champion for a while Mm. defeating off various challengers until someone who is on his level then challenges him now what i'm describing is the most rudimentary booking in the world Mm. but they are completely unable to do this and, they, and it's like they thought, this will be a good idea. We'll do this. It will shock people at the end. And it'll be the bigger moment with his wife and child there. And it'll put extra heat on Moose. Mm. At this stage with Moose, and don't get me wrong, we've kind of got our weird soft spot for Moose on it, for th- things like this. But at the end of the day, you're never going to get any more heat on Moose, are you, at this stage? No. Yeah. Like, I think he is as much... You know, he is where he is in total. But overall, yeah, this was fucking hell. Like, I, I didn't think it a match. It was that great either. No. I thought it dragged. I thought it was quite boring. Yeah. I was really quite disappointed by the match. When it goes up, I was thinking to myself, is this three stars? Like, because th- I, I just feel like it feels quite ponderous. It doesn't feel like Christian Cage's heart is in this. Mm. No.
0: It never does when he's uh, working for yep. TNA or Impact. You know, it feels like... I think we were all right yeah. when he you know, when he got the belt and he looked unhappy about Secondman, it. conman, mate. I don't think he. this is what he signed up for. Like, you know, um, I also don't think he's got the chops to be a main event talent, but that's just me. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Christian fans. But yeah, it was boring. It was a 3.25 Christian match, like yep. every other 3.25 Christian match. Professional and belongs on the mid Midcardia show. Doesn't belong in the main event. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what it was. It was all right, um, yeah. And, and again, the finish, yeah, they, they got it in the wrong way. And I agree with what, you, what you're saying. You know, I don't think Moose comes out any hotter as a heel. And you know, as Chris has said in the chat, there, if and when Alexander wins the title again, is it special? Because we've already seen it. We've seen it. It's happened. It's been done. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't really know what they were thinking.
1: Well, it would have been special mm. if the closing show image is him with his son on his one shoulder. And it bloody titles no. on the other, and his if wife with him. That was Matt bit nice. If you mute striker yep. Matt Stryker, <laughs> I God. mean, D'Lo Brown, fine, whatever. He is a perfectly serviceable colour commentator, but Matt yep. Striker, Jesus Christ! And I went through most of this show, mate. It was fucking grating. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Tell us about the rest of the show, JP. What were the What were the other highlights? <laughs> Um, I'd recommend the semi-main, Deonna Perazzo mickey James, which I thought was, I, I thought it was a decent match. I didn't think it was, I heard people going going, saying it was really great, but it was another no, solid match for Deonna Perazzo. That, that is the other match I
0: saw, sorry to interrupt, but like I, yeah, I went in with that in my mind because people had said it was very good. It, I don't know. I didn't feel like it had much heat to me. Um, didn't feel like it got going. Mm,
1: yeah, it was, it was, I thought, I thought it was fine that's what I've written down here on my notes. I was just like, okay, it was, it was fine. And then putting it on Mickey James. Maybe that'll work, but I think it's more of an indictment that of the lack of people that Deanna Pratt has really got to work with as well. Um, but I don't think, I think you're right. Overall, it won't turn out to be the big moment that they're expecting it to be. Mm. After that, I mean, there's a load of nonsense really on the show, but it's very much typical impact pay-per-view. i going to be honest. Opens with a multi-man X-Division match, which is fun and flippy, but I'll be honest with you, you've kind of seen it before. Uh, it was Trey Miguel, not Black Taurus, as I, yeah. as I thought he was originally announced, Steve Macklin and El Phantasmo. Um, and, you know, there's some good creative stuff. Trey Miguel looks like the next person who they're going to be building up as... X-Division champion for a while, but saying now he'll lose it the next set of of tapings because that's what happens in Impact. Mm. So, like, there was that there. Then there was the um, Violent by Design versus Heath and Rhino, which is just a storyline, a shit Mm. storyline of is Rhino going to come out? Is Rhino going to come out? He doesn't for about three minutes and then he comes out and then they win. Mm. Um, Tag Team Tiles match where it was just the Good Brothers taking the piss again as they retain the titles against Finn Juice and Bullet Club. Um, And then they had this Call Your Shot Gauntlet match, which was just like a load of nonsense, which featured the Kiss Demon came out. Melina came out as well during this. Um, And then I've written down here, Moose wins this. He usually does, which obviously then leads to later on in the night because this Call Your Shot Gauntlet was their money in the bank. So... Mm. Yeah, and then I thought to myself, because he threw out W. Morrissey, I thought, what's the chances that we now get a W. Morrissey face turn and they bring in Enzo alongside him? Oh, God.
0: He's already wearing his way into MLW, so... Yeah.
1: That, that will happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Chris mentioned in the chat the only time strikers ever been bearable was at the Slap Fight show as a commentator, and I think that's because he was caned.
0: And because we all didn't know how to, like, we couldn't call him on his bullshit because none of us knew what was going on either. He could have told us anything no. was happening and we'd have believed him.
1: Just making it up. Mm. The the honour and history of slap fighting.
0: How did he ever get, like... He was a WWE commentary, shit, but, like, even for them, like, how did he get on commentary and marking out, bro? Like, how did, how did, people, how did promotions just keep going back to him? Like, ah, oh, desperate you have to be to hire Matt Striker?
1: Each fucking <laughs> sucks. Water is wet, sky is blue. Matt Stryker is a commentary job in wrestling. There go. It's up. one of those things. Mm. So but yeah, as a, as a, sh- as a show overall, and I know you saw only those two matches. I thought it was a disappointment for what it needs to be, because I think where they fit in the wrestling landscape, is there any hope? Mm. And I was thinking about this today is if, The next set of TV deals, for whatever reason, the build-up to it, hedge fund managers and Wall Street types think, oh, wrestling's a viable property. Look at the TV revenues that are there. And somehow think that some sort of investment or trying to get them on TV is worthwhile. Mm. Because outside of that, I think in all of these pay-per-views, they need to fucking deliver. And what they end up delivering is the same card that we watch every single time they have a big pay-per-view. It's always like this, Benno, isn't it? It is.
0: It is. I mean, a lot. Of... Yeah, and I'm on paper, you're like, oh, that looks like a good match. Like, I was drawn. I was like, oh, maybe, you know, Diana and, you know, maybe that'll be a good match. Maybe Mickey will pull it out. And, yeah, it didn't really do it for me. And I'm, yeah, the main event wasn't even at the, the lower end of, of what I expected for it. Mm. Um, yeah. Sounds like a bit of a disappointment, all in all, for the biggest. I and mean, where was Jay White? That's what I don't understand. Maybe the New Japan Where was Bray was Wyatt? Yeah, all, all the point. and Brawny. Braun Strowman. Yeah, there, yeah. There were rumors uh, that'd suck for them, wouldn't it? I think you've got to you've got to know your uh, know your worth and know what it what it looks like when you turn up in Impact. Like that just says, okay, <laughs> you're lowering yourself just by doing it, aren't you? you know, I'm not a fan of that. Well, I'm more, I'm more of a fan of Braun than I am Bray, but like you know, those are guys who were legitimately to be main events in the last twelve months. Like, mm, don't think Impact's a good good, uh, good jump for either of them. Not that there's ever other uh, obvious good homes.
1: If you don't need to come back, do it because I also think as well if you, if it doesn't work in Impact, you're very much exposed then as your act doesn't work yeah. because if it's not if it doesn't if it only works because it's on WWE TV, that's not an indication that it works over for all. And if I think Bray Wyatt started doing his shit in Impact, it wouldn't attract anyone. No, it would attract people initially. You'd get an initial bump, but overall, I don't think it would end up meaning all that much because it'd just be him unfiltered. Which is probably not going to be good. No, and an impact will take anyone. No, it'd be really, stupid not to, would
0: not they? Braun and Bray, absolutely. yeah, they'd be, like they, they were, were not WWE main eventers, and they've got you know inbuilt fan bases. Mm. And Bray Wyatt was, and people argue with me on this, was the WWE's best merch seller, you know, at, at time of release, you know, so you know, or at least within the conversation with Roman Reigns, like you know, there was. There's definitely money there, as much as we don't like it, and as much as he's someone we don't like. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But impact mm. impact's gonna impact JP. Yep. Have you? Uh, it always will. <laughs> because TNA. Have you uh, watched anything else this <laughs> weekend? Anything else you want to the reference uh, before we go?
1: I think that's it. I think we covered everything. So we did dark MLL's side of the ring you? right at the very beginning. No, no, no haven't watched any MLW yet. I'm gonna listen to, and Will's recommended it as well. A cricket podcast which does about wrestling oh. um is the uh, the caribbean cricket podcast they're talking about it and they were describing the england cricket team as being the same as kevin nash hmm. um <laughs> which I, I thought all right i'm intrigued i will listen to all of this so hopefully hopefully that'll be fun
0: there you go
1: i'm sure you're not going to listen to it because it involves the word cricket I'm so you have no part of this
0: liam chris Leno. There, listen, so there you go. Recommendation for them, lads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah plug wise, uh, I suppose. Yeah, slash grapple. As, as always, JP says, the uh, the uh, the Robocop Halloween quote unquote theme <laughs> review is uh, is coming later this week, but yeah, plenty are going on there. There'll be a, a weekend preview at the end of this week. JP's daily updates and all the other stuff uh, we've done this mm-hmm. last month there uh, for people to check out, but yeah, I think uh, that's everything. So yeah, as Gareth always say, download the Grapple app, throw your ratings in. I'm sure uh, GCW and uh, and Bang for will be uh, will landing on that app uh, once uh, Gareth gets off the uh, the nature trail. over uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's doing this as well and well in the seat with his, uh, his well-earned, uh, well-earned week off. So yeah, look forward to having Gareth back next week. But yeah, for me and JP, that's it for another show. We'll see you again next week.
1: Bye say you, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> hey. You pull up to a red light. A man jerks your door
0: open, says, out of the car, I'm taking your car. You say, OK,
1: take it. Just don't hurt me. You know what I do? I pull out the clock, put it on his forehead, and his